Brendan Guinan, how are you? Hello. Is that how you pronounce your name? Hello, David. It is. Is that yeah. French? Norman, actually. Is it? How did you know that? Uh, well, I knew it was one or the other. I always get mixed up <laughs> in the two. I think it was Guinan or something from, um, yeah, Normandy of back. Do you ever look into any of that? Norman times. The brother did the ancestry, like there's Swedish in it, there's French, there's, I don't think there's any English in it, thank God. Do you, do you grow <laughs> tremendous beards? You um, always look like you're growing a beard. Well. If you were to let that grow for a week, would it be bushy? It would. I only tidied it up tonight, to be honest, because I look like a mountain man. Do you know what I heard? I heard that people that grow beards really, really fast and thick, that it's genetically bred into them from being warriors. I've seen that. So when people hit you on the jaw, it it's sort of deflected and stuff. <laughs> I heard that. I'll take that, all right. Yeah, yeah so there yeah, you go. Yeah, you must yeah. have warrior in your blood. <laughs> I'm not because it's real patchy. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's real. You're fucked. He was, can't grow any hair. It, it was it was my wife actually kind of recommended a grew beard. Now, have you on. ever let it grow? Um, it does grow out. It doesn't grow down. Well, but I, I never let it grow down far enough to um, really. Yeah, it just grows out. And if I let my hair grow, it grows out too. I wanted to grow a spiky beard <laughs> once, just to see could I grow it. And Vicky wouldn't let me. Vicky yeah, wouldn't let me. No, um, I do what I'm told. Yeah, so. well, we all do. Happy, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Now you have it. Brendan, where are you from originally? Um, a dairy farm between Geishel and Tullamore. All your life? Yeah, yeah, I didn't move too far now. Big family? Um, one brother and four sisters. Oh, fucking sisters. Older? Yeah. I'm the middle child. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with passion as oh. well. Yeah. I was forgotten about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say anyway. I was kind of the middle as well. Oh. <laughs> That's the sound of You know Matt's back when there's sound effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, were you, you grew up in a farm. Yes. And were you big into the farming when you were younger, all of you? Well, I was always supposed to be the farmer. Why? Right. Um, More into it? No matter how much hardship was throwing at me, I still kept coming back for more. What That's kind of farming? Day. Well, um, dairy, uh, we had 70 cows back in the 90s or 80s, you know, good herd of cows. Hmm. But we grew all our own feed then, so tillage as well. We raised all our beef, so there was beef then as well. And then um, potatoes, bloody vegetables. <laughs> yeah, the, People done that more back then yeah. though, didn't they? And then plenty of turf. As well, like with big turf banks, so I used to cut 60 or 70 hoppers of turf and have to turn all that by hand. And so it was slave labor, really. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, I just kept going back. Did you more. go to school? Like it? Well, I did. I was the only one that didn't go to college because I was supposed to be the farmer. So, so it was always kind of set in stone. Well, more sand, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Um, and it is one of the reasons why I'm back farming now again um, because you couldn't re really shake it you know I like hardship so what did you do when you left school what did I do I went to Mulch Farnham did the green cert um, came home all guns blazing the farm and uh, that didn't work out and it didn't work out because well there wasn't really an income for two people I, I farmed away until I went to get married and then when I went to get married um, my wife she wanted she was working as well but we wanted to plan, get a mortgage, all the normal things you do. Mm. And there wasn't an income for both people on the farm. So I went and got a rigid li 
truck license and I was going to drive at night and farm during the day. Um, I also wanted to look at where the costs were on the on the farm and seen a lot of money was going out on fertilizer and sprays and and all that kind of stuff. So I, I put a plan in to father to try and pull that back. Do you know a little yeah, bit? Not, not be spending so much on it. Yeah, like, uh, I couldn't figure out because the generation before could grow everything without chemicals. You know, um, so why was there a hundred grand going out on chemical fertilizer? Um, anyway, he didn't agree with it. Yeah. We had um, artistic differences is the mm. best way of putting it. So I ended up um, going and getting a job in Hinch Plantar, would you believe? I was only talking to the guys <laughs> that worked in Hinch today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was, was Johnny there when you were there? He was, yeah. Was he? Um, I, I was driving a six-wheel dumper because um, I had an Arctic license, but I had the rigid license at that stage and then got a rigid truck. I was delivering gravel and stuff. Um <laughs> for six or eight months and uh, then kind of got a, uh, what would you call it? Um, a horn. To buy me own. Buy your own. Now you have it, yeah. So, Doing the same kind of work? No, no, I didn't like the tipper work. I, I loved the six-wheel dumper, that was great. You could go anywhere, do anything. Do anything um, except turn the tight spot. Never bogged it, not like Did you. Did you not? <laughs> I knew <it>. fucking bastard. <laughs> Listen, there was only one time we don't talk about that, not even on the podcast. We'll edit this out, put a mark on that. <laughs> but um, really liked the dumper, all right. But um, got on the truck, yeah, it was grand, but it didn't really, I knew it wasn't for me long term, you know. Mm. So bought an Arctic, even without, I don't need a rigid li- um, provisional license. Yeah. Bought an Arctic, um, got it insured, um, got the smell of some work with a recycling company in Tullamore called KMK Metals. They do all the white goods and uh, all What's that. What's white goods? Uh, your washing machine, dishwashers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. They, is that what they call that? White goods? Yeah, yeah. Frid- yeah. Is that fridges in that? In Fridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So we, um, I was talking to one of the guys in there and he was going mad saying, I've loads of stuff to collect and I can't get a truck to do it and he could only find a rigid truck and it couldn't carry enough because it's bulky stuff. Mm. So I said to him, well, what do you want? So he said, as big a grab truck as you can get and um, so I thought about it and I went back into him a couple of days later and said, I, I can have it up and running within a couple of months. That's the fucking job. And no messing around. We did and it actually... Um, Crane on the Arctic. Crane on the Arctic, yeah, Palfinger, you know, timber yeah. crane, basically, a Z-boom crane. But um, with the big, the big uh, grab. scrap grab on it, yeah. Now there's loads of them around now, but back then there was no none of them. It's only uh, shitty rigids, really, mm. you know. So, got that up and running. They hired me. Um, some of the neighbours laughed at me. Uh, half of them encouraged me, expecting me to be gone out of business in three months. Go on, get that finance, Brendan. Literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch, <laughs> Watch Brendan go, fuck, lads. <laughs> then it was in... In the pub in Geishel one night and uh, a neighbour came over to me that had a couple of trucks and he made this big uh, fuss saying, ah, guy in here, you're after getting the lorry. God, you'll fly it, you'll fly it, you'll fly it. And then he said, you'll be fucked in no time. He didn't say that. In front of everybody in, in, in the pub, right? Um, now, anyway, he's gone out with trucks now and uh, now it was grand. Uh, I, um, I would have been, if I didn't literally work day and night for about five years. I lived in that truck for the first five years. Um, 
literally travel all over the country, got home every Wednesday maybe for a shower and then go again. And uh, in the meantime, I had with two kids, I think at that stage, uh, and maybe a third on the way. Were you so still I, farming? I was renting some land, but no, not not at home. No, um, that was parked for the moment. But um, you were still trying to farm and do the oh, lorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, no sleep? Very little sleep. After five years, I had three trucks. Um, uh, um, yeah, three trucks running. I got into hazardous waste. Uh, like I had all the permits for collecting waste, which you needed for your uh, mm. the, the white goods. Um, then that got me other work with other scrapyards and, and waste providers, say. Then I got, um, I got stopped on a motorway one day, right? Um, RSA? Uh, no. Um, a guy saw the truck and he pulled me in. And normally, if somebody stops you like that, there's a stone after shooting up and hitting yeah. the windscreen. Or, um, you know, there was, I, I was sure there was something wrong, so I was sick as he was coming back to me. And he said to me, um, uh, your, your truck, what, what do you do with it? What, what, do you know, like, uh, are you busy? And uh, it was a guy from Bordemona, and uh, he asked me would I be interested in working for them. Jeez. You know, out of the blue, but because there was none of, no trucks like that on the road, really. So started collecting green waste. Then What's green waste? It, oh, uh, chips and stuff from the side of the motorway when they're chipping. and Exactly. There's that. Um, the recycling centres as well, where you bring your grass and, and yeah. bushes and all that kind of stuff. So, so great things were happening. Uh, so I went from one truck to three trucks. trucks um, it was going very well. Um, a couple of guys. I always thought if I had three trucks and a driver for each and I was a the backup, then I was on the pig's back. Could you ever be not the backup? Or like, you, you had to be always driving, were you? Well, no, I did. I got three trucks and three people driving. Mm. Um, and then I got another truck. Then I got another truck. And then I ended up with 12 trucks. Oh, fuck. Um, by 2015, I think it was. Um, all the way through the recession, you know, of 08, 9, 10. A lot of the big hauliers went out of business and, and had to scale back because uh, of whatever. Um, I had all the permits. I had... Um, I was a DGSA, dangerous goods safety officer as well for uh, hazardous waste. Um, you were you were the officer. Yes. Did yeah. you ever walk in somewhere and go respect my authority? <laughs> Several times. <laughs> Had you a badge? Um, no, I didn't have a badge. Oh, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being a safe, an officer of any law and you can't have a badge. But I um I didn't have a plan either. I just kept buying trucks and as work came up or is there something shiny appeared in front of me I grabbed it and just ran with it and by the end of it I was exporting hazardous waste all over Europe um, Germany, France, Belgium Holland uh, trucks were going out I used to send two drivers on a Sunday night to Frankfurt uh, so they'd leave my yard at 6 o'clock Sunday evening drive to Hollyhead one driver would drive to Hollyhead he'd sail across at 9 o'clock that night to um, England or to Wales Drive down as far as Birmingham, and that would be his hours yeah. done. He'd get into the bed, next guy would get out, and he'd drive from Birmingham uh, down to... With white cut? No, no, this was has waste. Has waste, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, I'd kind of, I'd moved on, I was still doing the, the white goods as well. Um, what was the has waste? Hazardous waste was industrial hazardous waste from a lot of the... Like, was it um, chemicals? Multinationals, like? yeah, so a lot of sludges, 
chemicals, hospital waste, veterinary waste. Oh. Anything that needed... Um, Disposed of. Yeah, but it had to have, from start to finish, had to be classified, packed, labelled, transported. You weren't and, picking it up and put it down to the local river and opening <laughs> the tank deck. <laughs> it, it nearly happened once or twice with lorries turned into drains and ditches and whatever yeah. else. But anyway, it didn't, thank God. Not, nothing ever spilled, lucky enough. Mm. But it was a worry all the time. I was insured for 13 million f- uh, for environmental problems. Um, lucky enough that didn't, I, I never had to use it. Use it. And I never had to, uh, the other thing was people or drivers, if anything happened to them, you know, a spill or an injury, whatever, and touch wood, everybody got home all the time. But it was a stress all the time. But the trucks, um, yeah, the two drivers would go to, to Frankfurt. Trying to get loads home was hardship then as well. So I started buying loads and bring them home myself. Um, machinery, cars, um, started clearing out warehouses. <laughs> <laughs> did, what, did you fly over to get this work or <clears throat> knock around doors or like bring by, people? By the time, when I was at the height of it now, I was maybe two days every week in Europe and uh, flying out, flying out, um, going out with the trucks sometimes, um, organizing a team of lads to tidy up, you know, to clear out a warehouse and have everything ready. That when the truck or, or trucks come in, sometimes we could um, just load them up and send them back. And um, so it got into a merry-go-round now, but savage money in it, um, endless amount of work, a really um, good crack, but. Um, how would I put it? Like one of the big jobs we got, um, we were one of the first hauliers in Ireland to transport asbestos, and uh, we got the largest asbestos dump job um, from Irish Cement down in Limerick. Um, back in the seventies, they had um, knocked down a cooling tower that was full of asbestos, and. The EPA approved... The cooling tower was full of asbestos? Yes, it was built with... Oh, asbe- bis- and, and insulated with asbestos. Ah. Um, it was the way it was done when it was mm. built in whatever, the 30s or 40s. Um, sure, it was great stuff back then. It was the best wonder, just in sliced pan. Wonder stuff, yeah. So that was all buried in a dugout quarry on the site. Now, and you seal it over. It doesn't leach. It doesn't smell. The only thing you have to worry about is the spores. Don't know if it gets into the air. So if you seal it properly... And nobody touches it. It's safe as a house. And that was back in the 70s. And then when the Shannon Tunnel was being built, no matter where they went, uh, they tried to run the tunnel. It was going through the middle of the asbestos dump. Really? Yeah. So So they had to get rid of it. That's what held up the tunnel by almost 10 years because they were trying their best not to touch it. So we got the job of digging it out. Um, So did you have to buy a digger? Well, no, a hiring guys um i worked with a, another company that kind of um gave me a hand i wasn't that mad well i would have drove it if i had to but <laughs> badly three, three months <laughs> three months digging out um it about seven thousand tons of um that's a lot of asbestos yeah well see it wasn't that it was all asbestos just but it was ground filling everything exactly but it all had to go it all had to go be packed into ton bags doubles double packed Labeled. Um, Where did that go? It went to a mine shaft in Germany. Just dump it in. 
dump it in. Yeah, the deep mine shaft. And um, it went down about a kilometer deep into an old coal um, deep shaft mine. So we had um, we chartered a ship then from uh, you did well. The whole organization, mm. yeah, it would have been. I would have been in the middle of it. Yeah, um, we came into Limerick Port. We loaded. We had two days to load all the bags from um, Irish cement. We couldn't leave them on the port um, either. Yeah, yeah, you could just it, get it done. It's real has, quick. Well, it has waste, and they, it, they weren't licensed to leave it on the port, so it had to unload it directly out of each truck onto the ship. So you couldn't stockpile it there. But we'd only two days to load the ship. Transport all the stuff down mm. and load it in one go. Um, so that was pressure, but it, it worked anyway. And um, but I, I think it took me a week to recover from it. You know, <laughs> was it uh, like it seemed like everything was going really well financially, but was it just uh, the stress of it? Well, what kind of hit me? All, not all of a sudden, but talking to, to Cleaner, her wife, um, she was getting a bit peed off that I was never around. And I, I was never around. When I was around, I was stressed out. I was on the phone. The phone never stopped ringing. Like I had trucks running 20 hours a day. I had um, got a call one night at about three in the morning and it was a truck stuck under a bridge in Frankfurt, um, a curtain cider. Um, and uh, anyway, we got, got it sorted. Like what really used to annoy Kleena as well is I did the... Um, uh, hazardous waste uh, diesel laundering sludge I, do, I got a contract for five years up in Loud County Council to tidy up the diesel laundering sludge from the IRA really? yeah and um, what's the what's the sludge? when you take the dye out of the diesel it's the shit that's left over basically when um, and it's highly toxic it's really corro- corrosive even to Take a breath of it in would actually catch your breath, you know. Is it like uh, gassy or gel? Or it, it's it's more gel, but um, like they used to tip it out of tipper trailers, they tractor tipper trailers in fields, oh, and, and uh, they used to tip it on sides of roads in um, IBCs, and even with the tops of IBCs cut off them. And what county did that happen mostly in? Oh, loud. No, down Dun- the country. Dun- Dun- oh, Dun- El Paso, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But we were up the Cooley Mountains. We would have been out in Sheila and across the McGlen, like all the hot spots. Um, and that was actually probably the last straw for my wife because every weekend, I had to be there within two hours of getting a phone call. Y- yourself? Well, truck had to be up there and I'd always have somebody on call at the weekends. Um, but sometimes you go up there and it would be an absolute mess um, and or, or they'd want two or three trucks because it has to be cleared really reasonably quick and mm. it could, there could be a lot in it. I often went up there on a Monday and I could get out there on a Thursday as well. Like you just, just so much. Like again, each ton of that sludge from the time we pick it up to the time it was delivered to Germany. It, that had to go to Germany as well? Uh, every, most things went to Germany or Holland. Yeah. Eight grand a ton. That's eight what, grand a ton. Eight grand a ton. We're at not in the timber. I'm telling you, <laughs> mental stuff, and it's still going on now. Now, not it's not as busy, but I had two trucks on that nearly full time back in zero six seven eight, no problem. And uh, again, I was at EGSA, so even with the trucks up there, I usually had to go up and sign off and stuff if it was clean to make sure it was cleaned up properly and. 
it all had to be repacked into from the old IBCs into brand new ones that were certified for tra traveling and then load them into containers and get rid of them. So the wife <sighs> said to you, Brendan, well, I'm sick of this. There was that definitely, but also I had three, well, could have had four kids at that stage. It's all a blur now, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I don't remember them being kids, being babies. I was never there. And Kleena had to put up with all that. And she's a tough woman, but um, everyone has their limits, you know. Mm. So um, anyway, I knew it myself. Um, I was in a spin all the time. Like, uh, um, and what made it even funnier was a lot of the neighbours thought, um, geez, this lad's doing all right. He must be, um, how to put it, it must be easy. Do you know, like, uh, sure, um, trucks driving in and out day and night. Yeah, everyone was only sees the flash. They, yes. ne they never see the work that goes on in the background. Yeah. And then in the middle of it, um, the brand new truck, first brand new truck I bought, which would have been in 08, the one Shane drove actually, um, uh, hundred and twenty odd thousand. Um, I was driving that at night. I had two drivers on it, so uh, a guy driving it during the day, and I was driving it at night. But then I wasn't getting sleep during the day. Do you know, um, the phone was ringing no matter what, and yeah, um, fatigue. I, I was coming out of. I got it in August, and the following February, I was coming out of Dublin. Um, about four in the morning, it was snowing. It was. Um, I was trying to make it to Tullamore for six. If I got to Tullamore, I would have been perfect. Uh, I could have slept for a couple of hours and then went on again. I got to Rochford Bridge, um, coming down from Dublin, the Rochford Bridge turnoff, and if you know that road at no, all, yeah. it kind of gradually drives. Yeah, uh, the slip road is there, and the the road kind of veer, uh, gently, gently turns to right. And um, I had the truck on. Uh, crude control and fell asleep. I fell fast asleep. Oy. Eyes were open. I was looking at what I was doing, but it just wasn't registering, right? So the truck, you could see where the truck just drifted in. I had an empty container behind me uh, from the port and uh, lucky enough, it was empty. Because um, if it was the other way, I was in serious trouble. But um, hit the barriers. Um, that didn't wake me up. Uh, climbed up on top of the barrier that didn't wake me up um, burst all the tires on the left hand side you know it all yeah. uh, driving over the barriers still going um, hit a lamp post one of the big metal lamp posts um, split the cabin too stayed going um, don't tell me you're still asleep at this day it was on cruise control it didn't actually react at all right um, and what actually stopped the truck was I got buried. It was February. I got buried in the um, grass margin, or you know the the hmm. uh, the grass buried yeah. in sludge. No. And the truck cut out. And what was the first thing that went through my head when when I um? You were lucky it stopped. wasn't your arse. I'd no <laughs> <laughs> no windscreen. The whole side <coughs> of the cab was gone, and it was snowing at the time, and the wind was blowing in around the place, and it, I was pretty miserable. Miserable. And uh, the first thing that came into my head was, now we can sleep. And I actually sat back in the driver's door uh, seat and slept for two hours solid. And then woke up thinking, hoping it was a nightmare, but it wasn't. 
So that kind of I think that sounds like you were more psychologically tired <laughs> than the, like that's bad. Yeah, it is. It there is. must be some fright like afterwards, like thinking, God. Well, I got out and had a look at it in daylight and was there not loads of people there just going, What the fuck? Like I was buried that far in. Um that it looked like it was there Parked. a while, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Nobody came near me. Um I like when daylight came, I was I was able to ring Ian Dunn, he did all the tires for me at the time. Um, and uh, he came out. I, me, like an Egypt thought, if I got tires on it, I'd get going again. Half a cab missing. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I, I didn't even see it. It was when Ian came out and looked at it and he said to me, Jeez, you're in trouble here, you know? Um, so nearly 40 grand's worth of damage done. Let's get a new cab for the truck. How'd you get out? Uh, Corcoran's. I gave Corcoran's plenty of work over the years so I did now not me personally that was the only time I actually crashed mm. and we won't talk about it again yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah. look look everyone's allowed to make a mistake once right but, when we park it there but that was it um, uh, I knew I had too much to lose nearly as well so um, I began to kind of pull back and I sold a go of the trucks uh, sold a lot of the business um, just you just said to yourself that's I'm getting out of it. Well, not directly after that. It took another couple of years of battering around. Um, but it was kind of 2016 when I had enough. When when I'd given myself enough abuse, it was just gone 40. Um, uh, I I couldn't run from me to you. I I I wasn't fat, but I wasn't fit at all. I couldn't um, eat at the wrong times, not getting enough sleep, being on edge all the time. Um, it kind of really done you in you know mm. so um so that's where i kind of lost interest in money after that you know because uh, you were chasing the money the whole time and but it was going to put me in an early grave so um i took a year out um did a bit of work with um local dairy farmer um you went back to just farming well was it hard I, to get out of it no i didn't go back to just farming um was it hard to get out of it like financially it's hard to pull the plug it was hard enough, yeah. Um, it took a couple of years to kind of wind, wind out of it, but I didn't really care. I had a decision made um, and uh, lots of hardship. The guy that bought some of the stuff off me came back and sued me and tried to give out that because um, he bought some of the trucks with the work and then he lost the work and the work was... Blaming you. Exactly. Again, he was a guy that thought it was easy, that um, he could turn up anytime he wanted to do whatever and he pissed off people and... Um, Come back to me then and give out to me for selling them. It's an age old story. Everyone congratulates you when you're pregnant, but nobody realizes how many times you got fucked to get there. Now you have it. Don't know. You're hundred percent. You really are. Yeah. It's uh, so it wasn't an easy time. So um, but anyway, got out of it. Um, uh, now I was still a DGSA, and I was still like I worked for a lot of the multinationals. So I went contracting for them. One or two of them came to me and said, like, I know the trucks are gone, but can you still come in and classify the waste packets? Do you know? Um, was that back down to kind of doing a day job, sort of? That was so easy. Good. Because I had no employees. I was doing it myself. Um, I was doing everything, but I was just hiring other guys to actually do the, the haulage mm. instead. So... Um, so I did that for about a year and a half. I worked with Covanta. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're the municipal waste incinerator up in in Ringsend. 
Um, like they burn 600,000 ton of waste a year. It's actually 690 now. They've got to increase their limit. Out of that, the, about 120,000 ton of ash from the um, incinerator. incinerator. They hired me then to go in and to recycle the ash because the ash was costing them money to get rid of. It was full of very expensive rare earth metals. and, and uh, What did they burn? They burn just household waste, um, black bin waste, whatever can't be recycled, but there was still loads of metal in it. There was loads of electronics in it, and all of them le- electronics had gold. a battery. There was silver, gold, molyb- molybdenum, cobalt. Um, all the rare earths uh, were in it. So we, to give me um, 3.5 million of a budget to and a team of people to go and... Set, set up um, a recycling, design a resi- recycling plant, set it up and um, prove that we can... Separate and get... Yeah, that well, we can make it pay, basically. So I did that now. Uh, I did that for about a year and a half, I suppose. Love the crack of it. I have visions of you in a lab with all these lab coats or Tony Stark <laughs> shit trying to figure that out. It was actually good crack. Uh, plenty of traveling in it again, going over to Europe to the manufacturers of, of the different equipment and bringing samples and um, acting to Egypt. But guaranteed money, like when I was flat out with the trucks, I needed to turn over 21, almost 22,000 a month before I even made anything, just, just to break Just to even. pay your bills. Yeah, so that was... <laughs> You know, that was enough pressure, um, even without anything else. Um, so this was me just kind of shooting the breeze. You know, I, I was able to do it kind of with my eyes closed. Loved it. But I didn't like the corporate structure in that whatever decision you made, uh, or, you, you know, you go you go and present your findings um, and they'd say, yeah, we'll work with that. And then it would go higher and they would start asking questions and hold things up. And and these were people asking questions that didn't know fuck all about anything. Exactly, exactly. Um, and they had the money and they could see how much they were losing by dumping the stuff, like um, compared to what they could make from it, from um, processing it um, in a legally, um, in a legal site, you know, like a, yeah. You need all the permits. It was a waste, so I had to go on a legal, a, a permitted site. Um, there was a lot of work in it, so huge amount of work went into it. Really enjoyed it. Um, and then somebody in a suit up higher would kind of say, yeah, but it's a bit of, um, what if this happens or that happens? And um, Now, I was still getting paid anyway. So but it didn't matter to you, but it was very, frustrating. Very frustrating, yeah. Because, um, like... I just like when I bought the truck, you just go and do it and, and it works and that's it. And same. Um, You've been used to being your own boss, you see. Yes. I can't really work for anyone else. Not too easily now. Um, even if I'm getting paid for it and it kind of did frustrate my wife a bit again. Are you a control freak? Am I a control freak? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, Probably a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit. No, I'm not 100%. Um, I don't need to know absolutely everything about everything. Um, but if you see something really obvious that's going to work, you, you want to bloody, you know. If that's your job, that's what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's. So what made you do a U turn and get back into farming? Well, 
in the meantime, like I bought the land over in Portleash. Um, it was a, an old forest. Well, you didn't wake up one morning and go, "Oh, no." <laughs> I, I I was looking for it for the last for the previous maybe four or five years, and I looked at a couple of bits of land, and none of them worked out for different reasons. Mainly dairy farmers came in and blew me out of the water, you know. So, um, but then I found this piece of land. Uh, the minute I seen it, I said, "You know, this this could got be, a good feeling." Yeah, yeah. Now the reason I got a good feeling was—is it like looking at a house? Like, did you oh, actually God, go look at it? One thing I stopped doing when I had the trucks right. And this is what, uh, it ended up biting me big time. Um, I stopped listening to me gut. I started, uh, you know, I, I'd overlook a job because you'd see there's good money in it or you'd overlook a guy you're dealing with because he might be an asshole, but, mm. you know, like, so what? Yeah, we, but it always came back to bite me, right? And uh, so with the land, uh, and it was actually, you could go back to even when I met my wife first, you knew I didn't know I was going to marry her, but I knew she was different, you know. And so you listen to your gut, and if that's the one thing I I kind of got away from, and the further I got away from it, the worse everything got. Yeah, literally, yeah. So went to see the land, um, had a pair of shorts on. It was June or July in twenty nineteen, I think it was, and uh, totally neglected. It was an old forest that was sown back in the eighties. Um, there's a bit of a family dispute um, over it and so there was no love for the people the people who owned it hated what it represented so it was never thinned out it was never hardwood um, there's 26 acres of hardwood and then there was what about 5 acres of, of lodgepole pine trees down everywhere 8 foot tall briars nettles um, no road frontage um, there was a laneway that was in bits with trees down everywhere on it so I remember walking down through it in a pair of shorts one day and uh, just seen it on uh, myhome.ie or one mm. of them anyway uh, went out to have a look walked in I actually got lost in the middle of it the briars mm. were that tall that I, I couldn't find my way out um, it was just dense briars this is what you got a good feeling over <laughs> well <laughs> Uh, legs cut off yeah <laughs> literally it was I, I had to get Google Maps out to find out which way was was out right but at the same time what I did see was like the soil was bubbling with life um, like the worm castings were coming up um, through it you dig it up with your fingers and you could go as deep as you wanted it wasn't compacted it was untouched so that's what I saw like um, there was a serious base there uh, to work from because I wanted to farm chemical free you know I, I um, and that comes from my grandmother like uh, I was kind of raised by the grandmother um, she was one of the founding members of the Irish country markets huh. and she was left a farm when she, in the 1930s and she was a single lady in her 20s and she was left 150 acres by her aunt in the 1930s which was a scandal at the time and she farmed it herself she did, she did. Now she got married eventually, and obviously I fucking bet she did. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she always said she raised her family on one acre of that land, and that was three glass houses, a perennial garden, an annual garden, and she baked and and she turkeys and hens and uh, chickens and all, all mm. that kind of stuff. So I used to, and this, this is some of the debate I had with my own dad when it came to 
reducing the chemicals because I could see grandma did it for years. You know, like she earned a very good wage and then direct sold it through country markets in Tullamore. Um, so I wanted to do something similar. Um, when I was able to get up and go, I was over with her if I wasn't on the farm and we were rooting at something all the time. And the older I got, obviously the older she got, like she was 91 when she died, um, the more I could do, the, le- you know, the older she got, the less she could do, the more I could do. Mm. So I didn't even feel like it, but a huge amount of that soaked in the information and the, the crack I was having with her um, to a point then when she got old enough that she wasn't able to live on her own, I moved in with her. And um, I was only 17, 18 at the time now, but just used to have great crack with her. You know, she, she was a good character a lot of people were afraid of her because she was strong-willed or formidable i think i heard people calling her you know (laughs) but um but that want was in me the whole time you know to to kind of mimic what she was doing and uh do it for the crack you know so and that was your vision for out in portage yeah it it was in the beginning it was going to be i call it the therapy forest so it was going to be where i was going to disappear into um do it over time you know I, i never seen it as a business I was going to stay with the consultancy work with a couple of, of the multinationals just to keep the money flowing in. And um, I was going to disappear into the woods then. And again, like the, with the kids, with the five kids, they, they didn't see in the beginning, but when they, after a while they began to see uh, a bit of, of potential. And uh, But you don't live there? No, I don't live there. And so what did you start doing first? What, like when you bought it first, what was the first thing you done? Chainsaw and strimmer and a chainsaw literally cut a pathway down through the laneway um, and then got a strimmer and strimmed around kind of one acre paddocks um, you know just literally marked out one acre paddocks used trees themselves as stakes screwed in um, electric fence wire into it thinned out maybe three or four acres with a chainsaw um, and used like they were only the size of pencils, the 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 really thin, thin trees, because mm. there, there was a tree every three feet. So um, all the really small trees, cut them down and used them as uh, post and rail fencing. So wrapped them through the trees that were growing already. And so you had kind of a, a solid wall or a solid fence because I was throwing pigs in there. And um, anyway, that worked. And a huge amount of work, like 2020 when the COVID craziness hit um i had one solid year where i had wages coming in anyway from the uh from the government god bless the government (laughs) (laughs) and um so i I actually got a huge amount of work done and loads of the neighbors came down kids were off um it turned into a bit of a a commune i'd say as regards everyone um, helping out yeah everybody was outside like um everyone had nothing to do so we ended up getting huge work done over there. That got me, um, I got 20 pigs in there then, 18 cattle, 200 rescue hens. Now, What the fuck's a rescue hen? Well, a free hen is, is the short answer. Um, when I went to get advice from, say, the mainstream agricultural, like Chagask and, and places like that, they all said, what you're at is crazy talked to my father and he laughed at me on the phone he said yeah it's not going to work you're, you're like the, you never get grass to grow in a forest and you know you well, had you a vision to make money on this at this stage <clears throat> not to make money it was it, again it was still me it was a pastime first 
Hobby. Well, Therapy. <laughs> it was a passion probably to see could it do, could it implement what grandmother had done. Okay. Right. And also now, and um, without going too deep into it, it was kind of prove to the father that this can be done. This can be done because of uh, it. To you know, that would have been probably the main motivation, you know, um, that you don't need. Now, not, not uh, like uh, I talked to my dad the whole way through, um, but about the weather and about the sport and stuff. We never talked about farm. I never talked about business, you know. So, um, but we kept the lines of communications open the whole time, um, which I felt was important, but simple stuff, you know. Mm. Um, but at the same time, that's really kind of one of the things I wanted to see, could I actually implement what was in my head, you know, which is, I know it's probably a bit strange or, or selfish as regards the family and stuff that um, I went down this rabbit hole a little bit, um, which I did, you know. <laughs> I was disappeared over there the whole time. Now, the difference was I was bringing the kids with me and it was mm. something to talk about and we were... Having active. fun. Yeah, exactly. Acting the Egypt with one another. And um, just so happens we were doing work too. And uh, same with the neighbours. Like a lot of the neighbours come over to see what, what's this lunatic at. Um, it was... There was rumours going around that it was... I'd lost it. I'd mid- Robin like, Hens. Midlife <laughs> crisis. 38 psychotic hens out there no one can handle. Well, so Chagas told me your cattle will die of red water and blood murn, which is ticks that are in old, old rough grasses. And, um, and if they don't die from that, the badgers and the... So did you have to get... Um, like, do you not have to go to the government and get uh, tags and herd, all this? Herd number. Herd, herd number, number and all that. Did, did you have to get that? I did, yeah, and um, I did, and um, it was tough to get them, but I convinced them eventually to give them to me, um, but it wasn't, uh, it would have took six or eight months, to, whereas if I had, say, an ordinary farm, they would have come out, ticked the box, and I would have had it in no time, you know. I was really when I got annoyed with them, uh, especially with the pig guy, because um, he kept telling me, you'll, you'll get the pig number, no problem, um, and every time I did whatever he asked me to do, He'd come out the next time and he'd tell me, well, you you're nearly there else. now, but you need X, Y, or Z. Um, and it, it was only when I actually stopped being nice to them. You know, a bit like when the guard stops you with no tax in your car or something. And if you're really sorry or whatever, they'll, they're going to do you anyway. So you might as well give out to them. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I, I think I'll stay being nice to the guards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, but that was, um, what was that? Uh, yeah, the Chagas and, and the department and all that. So it was tough to get it, but I did get it. Um, and what were you feeding the pigs? Well, eight feet briars, nettles, thistles. Um, and then they got barley oats and beans and some waste potatoes from a neighbour that was grown, you know, whatever. Barley oats and beans, that's what everyone's eating over health food. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, Charge a fortune for that now. In the beginning, I actually gave them standard pig feed, which is uh, ad lib which is really high in protein, up to 40% protein, from piglet to plate, four months. So they blow up into these massive big pigs, uh, about 100 kilos, 110 kilos. The problem is, though, the pig wouldn't root. It was that full and that busy digesting, it couldn't... Um, root the ground. And, yeah. And, and you I, wanted I, it to root the ground. I wanted a labour... like ploughing? I wanted a labour unit. I wanted somebody to actually work for me, as well as produce pork. Like, the pork was kind of... Um, a secondary 
part of it. The labour unit was number one because I needed them to t- tidy up the place. And uh, like the trees, uh, all the trees were covered in ivy, absolutely laden in ivy. And uh, I hadn't a clue how I was going to do, you know, um, it was a sign of trees struggling when, mm. when there's ivy, ivy on them. And uh, I was trying to figure out how am I going to sort this. But I let the cattle in there after the pigs and uh, the cattle stripped every leaf of ivy off the trees without doing the trees any harm at all. The pigs actually molded clay up around the trees rather than like the experts told me that they were going to dig the trees out of it. They actually improved the health of the trees by molding clay up around them. Um, Then we tinned it out. Why did you just move the pigs around or let them run free? Um, About an acre. So depending on the time of year and the amount of pigs and the size of the weight of them um, and, uh, and the, the weather, that was a big thing as well. It could it could move maybe a couple of days, could be every week, could be every two weeks. Um, but like they loved moving then because like every, everyone, you get bored if you're stuck in here the whole time. You, you'd want to get out and get moving. Pigs are the same, cattle are the same. So everything's rotated around. And um, I had old diesel tanks, plastic diesel tanks that from the trucks cut cut the end out with them and they were their arcs and they're still actually their arcs today you know like they're really tough um mm. uh, recycle whatever upcycle whatever you want to call it um so make sure that the the diesel sludge is out of the bottom <laughs> <laughs> might have been a bit smelly four cows over there and they glow and green teenage mutant ninja pigs yeah you just got me i was just gonna <laughs> almost there but it, it actually worked chagas told me cattle would die told me the poultry would end up getting eaten by the pine marten and the fox and whatever else and that the you won't put GPS in the pigs to find them again They'd be, because they just you wouldn't keep them in the total opposite happened now that's why I got the rescue hens because they were free I got dairy bull cow, calves in the beginning because they were very small money um, to test to, the, the idea to see would would they stay there would they live would they even put on weight um and also, they, like we didn't dose any of our animals um, for worms or um, to see what they survive. So very small money was tied up in the stock in case something went wrong. I didn't want it to go wrong, but... Because it was an experiment really, was it? Exactly, yeah. This was, I'm the only 100% biological agroforest farm in Ireland. So uh, agroforestry, obviously farming through trees and then biological means we promote life. So we don't kill anything. We don't kill... Um, parasites we don't kill insects we don't kill um plants you know we don't use any sprays or any any um so would you be a believer then that can that be done at scale oh big time it is being done at scale and you reckon like uh life just finds a natural equilibrium and we have we now have um (coughs) pine martin stoats weasels um foxes all um around the poultry turkeys and, and laying hens meat chickens and they're not killing each other well I have electric fence between them but they, they respect one another and, and I've never had a kill from any of the the uh, wildlife weed chickens right <laughs> weed chickens right two batches of chickens first batch I didn't think that I had a good enough of a job getting the house done second batch I, I it was like four fucking knocks right <laughs> And Clark and them loved these chickens. And we got eggs and everything. It was, it was lovely. Yes. I'm not joking. It was a ninja. 
fucking Pine Martin got in and he just chopped their heads off. Yeah, yeah. Nice they just killed them and leaves them there. Yeah. yeah. But they'll actually eat through your metal wire as well. Like they're, they're vicious little shits. But if you had an electric poultry netting fence, they're petrified of it. And even that, that same poultry netting fence in America keeps brown bears out, keeps coyotes out. It's spectacular stuff. So if you went to the farm today now, I have the hens with just the... I, I don't put them in at night. They have a house there and they go in themselves, but they can go out whenever they want. And the netting fence is around them and they're safe as the house. So All they do is fucking electrify it. That's it. I'm telling you. They, they, and do they, you have electricity over there? No. <laughs> Electric fence or no electricity? Yeah, what the fuck does that work? <laughs> Don't tell me you've the chicken chained to sorry, ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. We've no electricity. We've no running water. Totally off grid where we are. And um, I have, like, I have one solar panel um, that we charge a battery off that will keep an electric fence going. But that's about it. Now I do have a couple of lights working off and. This is getting a bit deeper now, but um, I want to supply, be 100% self-sufficient self on the farm. We're, we're about 80% there as it is. I'll buy some feed for the for the hens and I'll buy organic hay for the cattle. That's the only only inputs we have on, on the land. We're, and I want to get to 100% and I will, it'll take a bit, little bit longer, but we're, um, I have a plan uh, to do that. And when that happens, we're bomb-proof. And that's really where I, I, I want to get to to prove that, like, there is money in farming. There's savage money in farming. But the trouble is it goes to the salesmen, it goes to the machinery guy, it goes to the chemical guys. It, you know, the farmer doesn't get to keep any of it. And then the little bit they do have when they go to sell to um, a, a factory, whether it's cattle or beef or, or milk or whatever it is, they get a commodity price you know it's devalued big time and uh, so it's a crazy system like we direct sell everything and uh, now I know we're small so is it a business now? oh it's a big business so now. What, yeah. how did you turn it into a business? your business how did it turn into a business? I quit the multinational work October not last year but the year well, hold on now for a minute you're sitting there looking at your, your free range chickens right <laughs> and your, your your pigs are fixing your trees and your cows and you're there, right, I'm going to stop working now. How do these make me money? I was in fairyland a little bit. Um, but I thought, if I want this to work, I'm going to have to go cold turkey. You know, I'm going to have to just put the time into it because I was working in Dublin a lot. I was working around the country. I was coming home in the evenings and I was sticking on a head torch. And, and you're living where this time? Uh, we live in Kilcavan, uh, on the Leash Offley border, just outside Mount Melick. Right. Um, and... Uh, is that far from the land? 15 minutes, I suppose, 15 minutes, of a drive. Yeah, um, I'd cycle it in 40 minutes, I suppose, now. I'd say you'd love to build a house on it, would you? That was a proposal to to clean it. Um, but in the meantime, we had already built a house. Um, what was the forever house? It's like, um, it's her ideal house. And uh, we're, what, 15, 18 years in it now. And she said she's going to be carried out feet first out of that. I'm so, my, so, my woman would be the very same. She knows looking at you, you live in a fucking shack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, 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 I'd love to build over there. Um, Pete the Pine Martin on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet. It's so. Um, the neighbours are actually all right. One or two lunatics as well. But 
Well, <laughs> I'm not sure everyone has a lunatic neighbor. I'm that lunatic. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably the lunatic. <laughs> if, you, if you don't, if you don't know any lunatics, then you're the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not but, everyone's grand around me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you look in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I'd love to live there, but um, I probably will eventually. Uh, summer house, maybe. When she fucks you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, nice how did you start house. making money? What was the first thing that made you money? Can you remember the first time that you made money? From that land well, What was the first income? The way I designed it Right I needed to turn over money straight away um, So that's where the laying hens came They lay an egg every day At 200 hens there 200 egg Well say On average 150 eggs 30 cent, cent an egg um, Now I didn't sell all them straight away But that was a saleable product straight away To sell The pigs um, Within five months then Were turned over Meat um, pure meat sausages, no no fillers in them, no preservatives in them. Do you do that yourself? Gluten free. Um, Don't tell me no. you butcher them. Well, um, short answer is no, or the official answer is no. I suppose. All right. But I have I have um, given the butcher a hand. All right, got, um, doing sausages and burgers, and, and stuff. they trust you, and you walk in with the axe <laughs> <laughs> and the call. Oh, here's Brendan. Everyone relax. <laughs> It's, it's, it's actually run run free. Free. <laughs> It's actually a classic description of um, socialism Where the government gives you everything And you think, they're, look, they're so good to you After feeding me, they're after doing yeah, whatever, or whatever. Yeah. And then they throw you to the wolves at the end That's of it That's exactly what it is It yeah. is it, it, yeah. it, it's, um, But yeah, they do I, I can load the pigs, the cattle um, Anything out in the middle of the woods Into a trailer on my own They'll just, if you pick Jacinta and, and Mary And they'll call them and they'll go and jump into the trailer well maybe not that good but mm. um, throw a bit of feed in the trailer and they'll jump in and you close it up so um, proper hand reared um, good energy do you, know, do you know what I mean like the really positive energy from from the the, the animals from what they leave behind because like we don't dose them for anything so they're rich microbiome in their gut but then when they lift their tail hits the ground um, it's consumed into the soil within two three weeks um feeds the soil so all that energy from the animal from the first time they arrive till the time they leave is locked into the forest right it, it's it's actually um it's really cool that way right but then when you do process the animal and you well every animal i do process um it's how would I put it? It's not easy, right? But it's the natural circle of life. It's still a business. And I um the way I put it to the kids, like if I didn't kill them, they'd kill me, you know, kind of thing. If they, but but uh, like you still have to pay your bills, you still have to do um your family comes first. Uh you have to be realistic and whatever else. Um but you respect the animals right the way through. That's why I only go to family butcher um and abattoir where it's quiet. Like I use Mark Delaney. You know, Mark. I know Mark. Yeah, yeah. He does the cattle for me now. So you drop them up on a Tuesday morning early. He, like, he he's really quiet himself. There's no fuss up there. If you go to a mart or a factory or something, the hustle and bustle, the panic. Um, it's not good for the animals. So I pick quiet, respectful butchers to do do the work. They hang the the, the pork and bacon and lamb and whatever it is for. Um, longer than like two, three weeks sometimes for the beef, especially. Um, 
So that um, we lose a lot in weight, but you get it in flavor. You get it in in the old ways of doing things, basically. Mm. I don't think most people, if they were to really think about it, haven't a problem with the way our food structure works. It's yes. the factory farming. Of that's course, the problem. it is. It's the it's factory com- farming that's not normal. It's the commodification, or or, or the, the they've taken away, like they are sentient beings. Mm. They really are. The the pigs would talk to you. They're more intelligent than your um than most humans, I think. But the cattle, the same. They they're great crack. They see they do see you coming, and this, you can see a smile on their face. You know because they know they're going to get grubbed. They know they're going to get a bit of attention or a scratch or whatever. What you throw them into a pen in the middle of um a, a, a concrete, uh, whether it's slats uh, with the cold air blowing up underneath them and. They're not comfortable. They're not happy. They're stressed out. That's where sickness comes from. That's where, uh, and then you have to dose them. Um, more stressed doing all that. It's it's not. Um, it's an alien environment for them. When they like the cattle, we outwinter all our animals in the woods. Um, they're built for cold. As long as they have shelter and like trees, give them a lot of shelter. We leave them in the pine forest for winter, and that really um, fresh air all the time. We've had. Cows calving in the pine forest in, during snow and calves are perfect, you know, so. Is it a real thing, just with the abattoir thing, is it a real thing about like if the animal's scared it will change the meat? Oh yeah, the cortisol yeah. will rise yeah. in the meat and then you eat that meat and you're actually eating, your cortisol levels will rise as well. So uh, it actually does stress you out um, and that's why keeping the animals calm but on the other hand, you eat our meat where that has been relaxed the whole way through. It has an age as well. Like we don't push them really hard. Our pigs are 10 months before we kill them now. That meat has positive energy in it that actually transfers to you and gives you extra energy. And that's where, uh, like so many people would say to me, like we do farm walks and we do um, school tours and we do uh, international tours actually come out to the farm now as well. Top question is how can you kill an animal? And you can't actually destroy energy. They're positive. Their energy, you know, uh, in each bean, it just transforms into the soil, into the the, the energy organic can't be matter. created or destroyed. Exactly, it can only change it, it from can one form transfor- to It transforms from from the animal to the land, and you can like you can feel the positivity of of the forest when you come in and the abundance that's in it. But it also transforms into the customers who eat the meat they get that positive energy too. And the evidence for that is why it's a business now. So where do you sell your meat? Of about 400 families that uh, that buy direct off online. Have you a farm shop online? Uh, Yeah, the the website, exactly. uh, Online website. What's Um, the website? It's Fear Via Farm, which is True Food in Irish, F-I-O-R-B-H-I-A. F-A-R-M. So true food in Irish, basically. Link will be <laughs> in <laughs> But it's it's um a full retail website. It cost me three or four grand to set up and get going. Now I put it up there, I didn't advertise it at all. Um word of mouth got round and uh I've built up four hundred families. Um but then one of them f- families back twenty twenty two, was it? Yeah, tw- this is what for 22 yeah she uh nominated me for um a kind of a, a food symposium that was on um, i thought you were gonna say stud of the year <laughs> 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 yeah 
You're giving me a big head now. <laughs> as long as you don't get a big willy or granny, <laughs> I'll tell the wife. <laughs> I think she's been, uh, she's got shocked with worse so she has over the years, <laughs> over the, what, 21 or two years now. But he, um, yeah, they, they gave me, um, uh, she nominated me as a food ambassador for a, a group of Michelin star chefs um, called Food on the Edge. And uh, cool. I didn't know anything about it until I got an email from them saying, um, you're on a short list, are you interested? And I, I said, well, go on, what's that? So uh, anyway, I got, I, I, I was um, achieved whatever. I, I was invited up to do a 15 or 20 minute presentation in Airfield Gardens or uh, Airfield Estate. In, in what did you have to do? Well, I go in and address bloody high-end chefs. Um, and just tell them what I was doing and how, how I was doing it. Now, I knew no chefs, and I, I, like, I knew what a Michelin star, you know, that it was very pompous and whatever else, and I wasn't really into that kind of thing at all. Um, I was more into feeding ordinary people or, or you know, yeah. this, um, families. Yeah, uh, so um, anyway, I went up, I had a chat, did the 15-minute presentation. Now I have... Um, I'm supplying Ashford Castle out of that. Um, awesome. I'm supplying Ballymaloo Cookery School. Boom! Um, uh, Bramley and Abbey Leaks. Do you know the... Yeah. yeah um, Sam actually came out to my farm last May, April. Yeah. Anyway, last year. And uh, <laughs> cooked a three-course meal in the middle of the woods with no electricity, no running water. We fed 100 people with all our food. Um Cooking on a fire pit, I built myself on the firewood from our own. That's cool. Of the forest. So That's th- cool. That was... Um, your Wagyu looks absolutely fucking savage. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There's if the you're wagyu. looking on YouTube, it's going to be up there. That's the Wagyu. Yeah. Yeah, that's summer Wagyu. As in, um, that's like, I buy Organic that. Irish Wagyu sirloin steak. Gluten-free. How does... What? Gluten-free? Everything we have is gluten-free. Where so, is it, why is there gluten? Why would there be gluten in? There could be in um, a lot of meat, even steaks and stuff, has additives added to it um, that could have gluten in it. Fuck me. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. All we do with that meat is hang it. You know, um, so you lose weight, but it intensifies the flavor, and then we freeze it. So it, everything we have is sold frozen. Show me more pictures, man. Yeah. Um, actually, even just looking at your monthly subscription thing there, and uh, like it, it looks savage. It looks yeah, it, it it's um, it's good because it it means we have um, clarity. Uh, you know of a, of a cash flow each month. Yeah. Do you know, uh, so we we get a lot of one off our, our our single orders, but it was the subscription that actually really got me going because it meant we could we had a good idea how much we're going to get each month. Mm. Uh, you know, within reason. And, and you could plan. Exactly, yeah. So we get lots of, of single orders as well every month. Um, and a lot of people do several orders, but they just don't sign up to the um, subscription. Because how far do you send stuff? How far do we send stuff? I send stuff to Holland. I send stuff to Romania. I send stuff to Germany in insulated boxes. I was sending a lot to England until... Brexit happened and oh, yeah. customs just held things up. But the burgers look savage there as well. The wagon You're making me hungry <laughs> fast. <laughs> I'm fucking trying not to eat. And, and, and <laughs> well, they are 99% beef, 1% 
cayenne pepper, um, cracked pepper, some garlic, um, and uh, sea salt. Have you got into a foodie now? Have I got into a foodie? Like you're a bit of a foodie now when it comes to meat. The longer, the more you get into it, like the, uh, not not just the food, but even the farm and the biology and all that. The more you realise, the less you know. It's so much. So it's actually really humbling to to think like people would say to me now, "Geez, you're an expert in X, Y, or Z." Um, the deeper you go into all that kind of stuff, the 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 more humble you get because it's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy how how um how things work and how how things don't work sometimes. Or how, you look so happy in that picture. <laughs> Look how happy you are, and the pigs haul in the background. <laughs> That's in the middle of the woods there, in the middle of the, the pine forest. That was last year's. Um, I, w- I was watching you before pack. Christmas, right? Oh God, and because <laughs> I like your Instagram stories, I think you should do more because I think it's interesting. Yeah. But it's um, you look fair stressed out. See, couple, couple, couple. Stri- there was fucking turkeys everywhere. I, 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 li- I, I do like. Instagram um, I, I had no social media before and I set it up for the farm because I was getting so many people asking me what what are you doing now or what do you do now so I, I began to kind of document document it but again yeah because I'm writing a book on it at the moment as well um, you're writing a book oh yeah yeah a story I, of your life or no well about the farm really but um, it might go more or less I don't know um, like I took I, I kind of a year out last year as well um, and I, I did a master's down in University Galway. Seen you with your... Yeah. <laughs> did yeah, you throw I, the thing in the air? Oh, we did, of course, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> I never went to college. So I, I had no undergraduate, so I went straight to level nine master's. Um, I, I got in under recognised prior learning from uh, life, I suppose. Um, now, it actually flew it. And out of that... A good few of the lecturers in in University Galway have become customers. Um, same, a lot of the Michelin star chefs are buying from me for their family. I can't actually supply uh, all the restaurants because I don't have the stuff. So from that, and this is what one of the reason the Michelin or the whatever you call it, the masters, mm. uh, the dissertation for the masters was setting up a framework for actually joining regenerative farmers together under the one, one, one group, basically. So, so a separate from the Illuminati or the IFA, it'd be a separate thing. Yeah. So yeah. instead of the IFA, it'd be a... Well, it would complement. It, it would be the cream of... Are no, you in no. the IFA? Am I in the IFA? Um, I am a member, yeah. Um, but they were useless to me as well. Absolutely gave me no guidance whatsoever in fact so you didn't fit the narrative no and if you go outside the narrative with these people who work in, work in these places they're just oh yes what are you doing here this seems like an awful lot of work oh no go it, do it, something else here don't be bothering me see with, with Chagas um, you have your farm advisor and your forestry advisor there's nowhere in the middle I'm in the middle I'm actually like the agroforestry we're mixing the two together mm. forestry and farming in Chagas don't talk they don't get on at all um, they're pitched against one another. Now Chogs actually have hired me as a consultant in agroforestry. Did they pay you? They... Uh, Don't be coy. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that for nothing. I'll put it you that way. That's good. That's um, good. They brought me a couple, to a couple of conferences as well then. Now, but again, the 
people lower down are, are the, that I, I'm kind of working with um, are delighted with what I'm doing. And the only reason they're hiring me, though, is because there's a want there from people on the ground, from farmers on the ground to implement this kind of stuff. Um, when I actually needed the leadership back in 2018, 2019, I'm telling you, they laughed at me. So you know? now you're creating the leadership. Now they're coming to me because there's no, um, they don't have the knowledge themselves and they've been caught with the trousers down. So how many acres again are you doing all this from? It's about 30 altogether. 30 acres. Yeah. So just say I gave you 200 acres, okay? And you could start from scratch mm -hmm. and you want to do what you're doing now. Obviously, you're going to need how many years to get it up and running? On average, it takes seven years from, like, say, with me with trees, if I hadn't the trees there, um, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now. The, the, the trees that are 35, 40 years old, um, it means I can get much bigger animals in there. If I was starting with a green tree site. <laughs> <laughs> Four giraffes, two elephants, bring them down. Few rescue elephants there. I tackle it, I tackle it, alright, yeah. But, like, you know, when you plant a tree, it's it's going to take a bit of time. Yes. So you, it will be a totally different system if we're starting to plant trees or, or um, for shelter and ecosystems. Um, but it would still make very good money very quickly. Way better than any, what you call, conventional system out there. It's mind-blowing when you look at it. So it would work at scale and everyone is spending way more than they should on fertilizer and all that sort of stuff. Shouldn't be spending any money on fertilizer. There's 78% nitrogen in the air. All you need to do is capture that and turn it into a plant-available form. And you do that with living roots. So it's, it's unbelievable. So why is the system... Is it just money? Is it all wrapped up in money? It's always money. It's always money. Full stop. Uh, because... When you, um, say, just giving you a very small um, idea of where we are now, we've lovely grass grown underneath our trees because we balance the fungal to bacteria ratio in the soil. Like um, forestry, uh, um, the older it gets, the more fungal base, mm. and it feeds the soil with a lot, a lot of um, fungus. So it's more fungal based. Grass needs to grow in a bacteria-based soil. So that's why you never see lush green grass growing under trees because it's too fungal-based. If you introduce animals in there and light uh, and don't dose them, do not, so it's a rich microbiome of, of microbes that um, build up in the soil. Um, so they're actually infusing the soil with, with microbio, um, microbiology. So animals are essential part of it. Um, and poaching as well for getting rid of the woody weeds and whatever else, the briars and all that kind of stuff. You do all that and let light down onto the soil and you wake the latent seed bank that's in the soil already of seeds that are just waiting to grow if they get the right conditions. And you create the right conditions and you'll have abundance. So um, you don't need to reseed. You don't need to um, spray anything I have no docks, I've no nettles, I've no thistles, I've no briars um, in in the in the areas we have developed so far. Rich green grass grown underneath. I've grasses there already. It's only two, three years old, and they're about four foot deep in roots, right? So, which is unbelievable. And I've seen, I've been on farms that are twenty years in the system, and the roots of the grass go down thirty feet. Wow! So from that, then. 
you've no compaction. You have um, you're you talk about being climate resistant. You'll never the grass will never burn. You know, in 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 hot weather, and um, it'll also in really wet weather because the roots are there. So the water can infiltrate into the soil, so it doesn't run off and flood everywhere. It's, so it's a crazy. Why don't more because you always hear that there's no room for the small farmer anymore. That people with fifty acre back years ago, if you had fifty acres, you'd you'd a fucking decent farm. You could raise a family. You could raise yeah. a family. You'd have all your your potatoes, and you you could have cattle. You could have sheep. Now fifty acres, thirty acres, you might as well not have it. Whereas if you there's a there, you're living proof that it's possible, and you can have a nice lifestyle, and it does work. Right now, you never be a millionaire out of it. Right, I, I've thirty acres, and I can actually. There's a lot of people working out there that'll never be millionaires. Yeah, but so many people come to me and say, like, "You're so lucky that you're 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 able to do what you're doing." I said, "It's not luck. It actually took years. I, like, I, I've twenty years planning this. Really, um, we've produced about eighty percent of all of, of our own food now. Um, Yourself, ourselves, yeah. So you don't do that much shopping. <sighs> Toilet paper." And uh, now you not fucking figured out how to work. <laughs> there, you shouldn't have got rid of the dock leaves. I told you. <laughs> That's actually a question I do have here. I'm looking at your monthly subscriptions on the website here. Um, so, do you know the actual average of what um, people would spend, not on years, but in general on meat in a month? I'm just looking through your subscriptions. Yeah, well, we track all that. Um, and the trouble is, with the subscriptions, some people would buy, say, 150. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was waiting see, for the whiskey come into the frame. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, not sponsored. Wish I was. <laughs> but the crazy thing about people, right, when it comes to supplying the exact same volume of meat to two separate families, um, one family would say, "Geez, that's great," and um, it's exactly enough. The next family would say, "It didn't do us two weeks," and the next family would say. God, we have loads of it left, you know. So you can never plan. Uh, and uh, so we do pause the subscription every so often. If somebody builds up too much, what we do do as well is we do firewood. You know, like we're processing firewood from the tins of the forest. So if people have a wood burner and they're, they're too much meat, you can easily just say, if you want a bag of firewood instead for it's one month. Great job. It's great, yeah. Because the, the prices actually look quite good. Like, when I'm thinking of what shopping a week would, it would cost you, like. Yeah, see, again, and this is part of the model. When you're dealing direct, like, you're not going through a shop or a butcher or whatever. Uh, when you're dealing direct, I can get a good price uh, for me, and it's still not major money for the consumer. So that's no, where... No man in the middle, you see. Exactly, yeah. Now, it creates a lot of headaches trying to do everything like packaging and, and labeling. And even the, tonight, I got an email actually saying, um, it really kind of pissed me off now, but um, I hate bureaucracy, right? And I hate paperwork. And I hate, like, uh, I got so much of it with the has haulage that it... Um, Burns you out. Yeah, it, it leaves a bad taste. So I got an email today from someone from the government uh, saying, like, we're advertising uh, organic Wagyu, right? Now, we're not certified organic farmers um, because the forest is not eligible to go organic. We're beyond organic as regards 
the you fit all the criteria, just you haven't got the stamp. We're way above it, right? Mm. Um, but now that we're moving to to the likes of Ashford Castle and, and Ballymaloo, we need bigger volumes. I can't supply it all through the farm. So I've already started buying organic animals that from people who meet the same uh, criteria criteria that I do. Like So the Wagyu that we buy, uh, we, like we buy that in as uh, a standing animal. So I go pick an animal, uh, load it into the trailer, bring it up to Mark. He does he, um, his side of the business, mm. packs it, gives it back to me, and then we sell it as organic Wagyu from a certified organic farm. And uh, I got an email today saying, uh, which I suppose he was legit in that. He said, you're not organic. You can't be selling organic, saying your beef's organic. So I went back to him and said, well, it's actually from the Merry Mill. He's a certified organic farmer. Um, so like, uh, and none of our, the rest of our produce is sold as certified organic. It's sold as chemical free. It's sold as, mm. as forest reared. Or, um, but you know, there's loads of terms there, which, um, but uh, none of it's claimed to be organic. And he came back to me and said, no, you can't do that. Cease and desist or you'll be, you'll get a fine or you can end up in so many years in prison. And uh, I don't know, um, this crazy threatening mm. email that came in this evening. And like just an hour before I come up here and it put me in bad humor, you know, because we, we're we not claiming, and it's like it is organic. Mm. Um, and it's like to do organic Wagyu is very, very difficult as well because Wagyu, you need the marbling and you can see there's a nice bit of marbling yeah. in, in a lot of that yeah. to achieve that without using any meal you know with any any concentrates is tough so I was actually really surprised at that when I seen the photos yeah and so how do you do it well uh, and they're only fed hay as well no silage and mentor because the hay if it's sweet dry um, well preserved hay that sweetness actually comes through in the meat almost like a, a good wine um, so if you feed silage, and I'm not giving out about anyone who feeds silage and it's, it, it keeps the cattle going as well, but that sourness from the fermentation of the silage actually comes through in the meat too. So uh, especially when you don't put any preservatives on it and you don't, uh, uh, say, the burgers, you don't add any fillers to it, you don't add, um, inject any water to it. Like so much of your food you eat is actually water, especially chicken, um, 25% of it is injected with water, ham, a lot of the bacon is all injected with water to cheapen the Who meat. Who does that? Everybody does it. You look at the back of any pack of ham and it's about 60-70% meat and the rest is water. And, and So that's not from the animal, that's actually just injected in afterwards. They have these machines with loads of different, um, you could have maybe 30 or 40 inje- uh, uh, needles on it. The meat goes in, the needles go down and they shoot in high-pressure water into it. It goes in at maybe one kilo. And everyone knows this? Yeah, of course. This is common knowledge. It goes in at one kilo and comes out at one and a half, maybe two kilos. <gasps> the bastards! And like sort of like bumps it up, makes it yeah. look real fucking neat. Breast, breasted chicken, yeah. whole chicken, um, they all are done with, with little fine needles. And imagine, that's the scumbag that's texting you or yeah. emailing you telling you to cease and desist. Yeah, when it is actually organic and there's a paper trail and... Um, I explained all that to him, but because we're selling it on our website, sure, Tesco's don't have any, uh, or any multi, uh, multiple, doesn't have, uh, doesn't farm any organic stuff, but still they're allowed to sell their... Uh, yeah, yeah. But sure, just to ignore them. You know. Well, 
I like a good fight too. So <laughs> I'll, um, I'll I had three. <laughs> I had three nasty emails from from people last year. No. Yeah, three of all the orders I sent out, I got three, no, two emails, two emails of people getting really night over a penis on the invoice. Hello, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark. And then there was another guy messaged me. It was just, just one email. Like, I'm sending out a lot of orders, right? And yeah, I just yeah. get one email back from this guy. I won't say his name, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes, I'm never buying off you again. Excellent. I was there. Okay. I was there. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. Uh, did we do something wrong? No need. Very unprofessional. And then just picture the dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I messaged back, well, I'm not a professional. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I says, do you want a refund? I says, if you want to send it back, I'll give you a refund. And I'll pay for the postage. There's no bother. I says, um, I've got upset over doodles before, but I pawned my big boy pants and I got over it. <laughs> and he just messaged back, forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, you shame them, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but the thing is, the majority of the bureaucrats that would be giving me hardship, they actually happen to clue themselves. So if you get them into a one-to-one chat, um, you can wipe the floor with them. Do you know, like they, they really happen to clue what they're doing. They're reading some legislation. Like, who grows up wanting to be a bureaucrat? Like, when you don't dream uh, of that being your dream job when you're... Uh, uh, chap no you, you're you fall into it forced into it you fall into it you get stuck into it you get frustrated and then the more frustrated you get the more um you take that out on your yeah. clients mickey and bruce, bruce sprouts are very similar if you're forced <laughs> them when you're young you'll hate it when you're older <laughs> yeah and it was your uncle who tried to give you both <laughs> we do not condone any of that stuff on this program <laughs> But uh, where do you see it going in the future? Would you like to have a shop out there, premises there, or would you rather the online stuff or a shop in town or something like well, that? Well, where it's going at the moment is um, consultancy. The amount of people, landowners who are coming to me saying, can you create that for me? Right. And that's a lot of that are, is families that maybe was left land, um, had the clue, you know, they'd been disconnected from um, and no interest in in farming conventionally so a local dairy farmer beef farmer took it over and rented it out and uh, I've several families who have come to me now even without me advertising and said can you do that for us so I'm actually doing that for a couple of families now at the moment I have two or three high very high profile people who have asked me to do the same for them um Come on, Tommy. Uh, multi-millionaires Michael um, Jackson <laughs> Clarkson's Farm season three. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's opened up savage contacts for me. It really, really has. Now, um, I'm starting with a woman down in Wexford next Monday who was left 28 acres of land. Um, she just rented it out to her father's neighbor or friend or whatever for for the last number of years. And so many people I, have done that. Yeah, and. Don't know what to do with it's, small pieces and land themselves and they it's just niggling away at her that she's not happy with what's happening. And she actually contacted me before Christmas, right in the middle of the turkeys, and I kind of said to her, Can I chat you in the new year? I just I need you know, you need time, whatever. So um she is delighted and she's really excited. I give her a plan 
And um, I, again, I explained to everybody, it's going to take about seven years to get this up and running where you get a good income back from it. Mm. But you get an income back straight away or you get some money back straight away, but each year it'll build. And um, But you'll grow into it too. It takes you six or seven years to get your head around what you're doing, how you're doing it. And uh, making, if you go too quick, a lot of people panic as well. And um, yeah, like it, it's, everything I do is slow, whether it's, growing the animals whether it's um like i've no machinery i i hire um track machines in now and again to do bits of work but it's nearly all manual and that's there for a reason because you get to know the land you get to know you do things slowly you don't do as much damage with your hands than you, you like it slow yeah exactly. that's why you have a discovery <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a bit of that too. It's, it's very mindful. So. But you can keep it under all. <laughs> it's, um, well, yeah, no, I like old things. I, I went to Spain and bought a tractor. Um, what kind of tractor? I bought um, a, a, a Massey, the same age as myself. It's, it's a 157. Very Protestant tractor. <laughs> I'm after hearing they're a very Protestant tractor. It's the only 157 in the country. A 157? 157. It was built in Spain uh, under license for um, Matthew Ferguson. Now, the reason I went to Spain is I wanted to find a tractor, a, a vintage tractor in a, from a dry climate. So it's 100% original. Um, you, you try and buy one here. There's not too many 157s. There's not. Is there a cab on it? The, not a factory cab. There's one of those over, it's like a, like a canopy over. I took it off. Uh, that's actually that's not far off of it, the, the cab even that's on it um, I took the cab off um, you'll see it on the website as well it appears every so often <laughs> but they're um, they're all built in Spain um, now four cylinder it's a 165 basically now I bought that to chop firewood um, and it's you went far enough to get a yoke to chop firewood it, would you believe it 1200 euro is all you paid for it an 800 to bring it in on, with DSV uh, in the back of a curtain you're clever bastard by the next time I need to get something bought I'm going to get you to do it it's actually it's unbelievable it, like if you're not under pressure and you, you you kind of hang back and know what you want same again if you're if if you take your time things will work if you're under pressure and, and you'll make mistakes you'll make a balls of things and um, so I was kind of looking out for that for maybe six months and um, now not that particular tractor but just you were looking for something, and that one popped up. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so I've I've contacted a few vintage guys in 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 Ireland, and nobody can find a one five seven. So I think I'm claiming it's the, it's the only one that's in the country anyway. But if well, no, when this goes out, because uh, <laughs> the people will be messing you. Go tell him I have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have four of them in the shed. And but, this this question might sound stupid because I I don't know anything about farming or whatever in Pure Towny. Um, so what you're doing, does it have to be like around 20 to 30 acres or like could you do it with four acres, three acres or something like that? You would grow an abundance of food on one acre. Okay. If you wanted it just for your family or for a couple of friends or whatever else, you would grow more than what you could handle on one acre. So are you one of these guys that if there's a zombie apocalypse in the morning, big fence and you're happy? I'm safe. It's actually one of the reasons why I'd, I didn't want road frontage. Um, I wanted trees. Now... Trees insulate, uh, they create their own energy too, but they insulate uh, you from, say, the weather. But also, um, like, one of the big things with the satellites that um, the 
department would claim that they can count how many cattle they have in your field and read your number plate on your tractor. They can't see anything with me because the trees are there. Now, it just gives you a bit more insulation. Um, plus, it gives you another income from firewood. Um, it keeps the cattle happy in winter. Um, you know, I, like I've just sowed um, an orchard uh, in the middle of the woods. I cleared a, a small area and we sowed 20 apple and pear trees and they will jump out of the ground because... The soil is so rich. The soil is rich. It's already got a, a, a nice balance of fungal to bacteria ratio in it. So it should welcome the trees and hit the ground running. It's There's no... Um, they've got the insulation of um, from hash winds because we, we have sycamore trees all around them. Uh, so they're well insulated from that. They're still in the sun trap. They're facing east, um, east and south, so they'll catch all the sun during the day. The first set of tree uh, of apple trees I sowed fifteen years ago at home at the house. I made every mistake. I, I sowed them in in a corner of the garden. I thought it was great. Um, it was the soil was wrong. There was no sun. I actually sowed it north facing. I made every mistake, and they all died. These ones will um like it took. 20 years of making mistakes to get to where I am now. But these ones will actually, um, they'll be frost resistant. So if you get a late frost in spring, you know, when the, when the buds come on the trees, um, which kills a huge amount of, of um, fruit trees, you know, just at the wrong time, a late frost in May can, can really wipe out um, apple buds. Um, where I have them planted, the one, they're, they're insulated from the frost. So, um, so what, what country does what you're doing the best or is there any yeah i've been on farms in germany and um germans are always ahead with pretty much anything but america uh 20 years ago like um it's not always a good thing to were ahead with genocide as well that wasn't the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right there they were they were very efficient in every way yeah <laughs> but uh gabe brown is a guy in virginia um uh, or South Dakota, he is. Um, now, he has 6,000 acres. And out of that 6,000 acres, he almost lost it back in the 90s because he was growing the wrong crops. Um, he was... Uh, it was when he ran out of money. He actually had to take a farm, an off-farm job to hold on to his land with 6,000 acres because he was losing that much money from um, what he was doing. And he couldn't see it until he literally couldn't afford fertilizer for his his crops so he began to just sow um mint till um his corn and beans in um because he couldn't afford to plow it so he, he he literally just sold them on top of the ground um not put any fertilizer on them and it took three years of doing that like he got, uh, before it, it began to get back into some sort of balance and he began to actually see he was making more money than he was is it is it true farming in US really scary? If you use a certain seed, you have to use certain well, pesticides, or they won't buy the stuff off you. And a crazy thing with America is atrazine, and, and not to mention Roundup, but atrazine is banned in Europe. It's still allowed in America. It's in every waterway, every stream in America. It's in it's in the drinking water, and what atrazine does, what it's done to male frogs, it's turned them female. That's what's That's, happening. That that's proven. It's the whole Alex Jones thing, turning the freaking frogs gay. Turn the frogs gay. <laughs> the, this crazy thing is, it's true, and it's it's so it's, Alex Jones is right. 
That's a it, meme. It, it, yeah. I know it is, but it, it, it's actually true. There's, it's turned male frogs into actually producing female eggs. Fuck me. Yeah. Hey, do you and think they were aliens in Miami? Not at all. So what are they, what are they getting us to look at now? Did you, I, no, did you see I, the James I, Webb telescope? It's after seeing that there's an artificial light on something B. I've stopped looking at the news a couple of years ago. Um, I've stopped looking at television a couple of years ago. Um, and I actually disappear into the woods because it would set you Bullet. mental. Yeah. Like, um, it's... Yeah, I, I, I don't get into any of that. You know, like, I, I hate it. Uh, and you'd hear bits about it here and there. Um, like, the same with all the craziness that's going on around the world. It's... Um, my therapy is... Like, I, I, anyone who's getting into that long-term, it actually just fucks up your head. It really does. Um, it's a crazy world. It really, really is. Wouldn't, so, you, wouldn't you want to be fair... Um ways to not be going mad at this time if you were watching everything yes oh no i um like a very odd time i'd look at look at um maybe something on netflix but i'd never look at mainstream tv even though i've been on tv three or four times have you been on tv um rte tv3 have all been down with me yeah go on tell um, ear to the ground you're all ear to the ground yeah this time last year i was on ear to the ground with ella um i got great feedback i've built up very good um, customers and, and so are you kind of a big deal in the organic farming world no um, I hear you're the Harry Styles of the organic <laughs> farming world in Ireland you can take as much as you want you know like uh, but I actually don't want that much shite if you know what I mean like um, I, 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 we, we operate an open farm so people can come out and see the place the be whole careful time. <laughs> be careful what you wish for I have a farm shop on, on, on come out to the farm as quick as you can <laughs> but um, somebody reported me for doing retail sales in a, it, it, it wasn't at the wrong planning <sighs> people right if so, you're listening to this and you're that person you're a dickhead <laughs> I have an idea who it, who it was but it's um, name I, I've to What's their name? I have to actually write into the council um, to get to get their name officially. Now, uh, Freedom of inf Information, they wouldn't give it to me uh, over the, uh, you know, mm. standing, talking to one another. But So I, I've written into them and I'm just waiting to see it in lights. But um, oh, People are terrible, aren't they? It's um, That's frustrating. But it just, again, it's their problems that they're manifesting on you or me. Begrudgery. It is. It is. Yeah, and it's it's something like. And come here, right? Here's the question. Go on. So is Daddy ringing you now? Going, Brendan, all is forgiven. Come home. <laughs> the prodigal son. I want to put me fee up. <laughs> well, I, let's watch the millions roll in. <laughs> kind, well, that's a deep one now. Actually, um, he's seventy eight there now. Well, he's proud of you. He he was diagnosed with prostate cancer oh, there fuck. only in the last month, right? And that was another thing that was putting me under pressure before Christmas. Um, now he's got the best bad news you could get in that. I'm supposed to have got it on time, and and but he's got through treatment and all that. But it has, uh, how would I put it? Uh, it has improved relations definitely. 
um, he's a lot more open. He's um, has he come over to you? No. Looked at the farm and stuff. Not yet. No, and it's not that far away. But um, when he's at the right time, he'll come over. But I've been over with him. I was stripping the bloody silage pit yesterday for him and greasing. Don't tell me about Matty. <laughs> <laughs> what does he drive? Oh God, he's a dites man. Dites. Oh, he's a man after your own father's heart. He is <coughs> machinery mad. Um, he bought a brand new dite feeder last year. He's after. Actually, tomorrow. And, and to people that don't know, that has nothing got to do with lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with lesbians. Although you probably could wrap it in there somewhere could, if you wanted to. Could. But um, he's getting delivery of a two thousand seven hundred gallon slurry tank tomorrow, brand new. Fair fucks to him. He's nearly eighty years of age, and he's he's um, fucking grants are great job. <laughs> <laughs> he loves machinery. Loves the smell of new paint. And same with the tractors, like um, the best of tractors. You're not machinery mad. Now, this is going back to the trucks again. Um, when I started my first truck, I had not had, hadn't that much of a clue about mechanics. Had to learn very quick you know, when it broke down inside the road. Um, so I, I was kind of dragged up as a mechanic or, or a reluctant mechanic is probably the best way of doing it. I'd do it if I had to. Um, is there love? No. It's not. Um, I see machines, right? You spend, say, 100,000 on a truck or a car or mm. whatever it is. You drive it for five years. Um, if it's not banjaxed, say a truck, if it's not banjaxed, you haven't driven it hard enough. Or you, you know, you haven't done enough mm. work with it. Um, and if you do, you've paid it for after five years, you've a pile of scrap, you have to go and reinvest again. And the same with timber and mm. whatever else. Like it, It's a vicious circle. It is. You're investing in depreciating assets all the time. Now, and you need a man on it all the time. That's the worst thing about a truck. You need a man on it or a person, whatever, a he, she or whatever on it all the time to keep it rolling um, or it's useless. It's actually, it, it, it's an asset that turns into a liability. Um, so I was trying to get away from all that. And that's where the farm, when you invest in the land, obviously they're not making any more land. Hopefully, it will hold its value at least or, or rise in value, which is um, good. You build a shed, say a slatted shed, um, straight away it's devaluing. Um, like, I, uh, that's why I designed a system where the trees actually are the shelter for the animals. So the trees are increasing in value each year. The animals are getting what they need, which is shelter for the winter. And you're not tying up 40 or 50 grand in concrete and, and... Do you reckon you could do it though at scale? No problem. Yeah. yeah. You need more people, more physical help, but the sales would actually cover that. What I do addresses every problem in farming at the moment, from succession to um, water quality to biodiversity loss to animal welfare to human welfare to... Um, social to um, actually making money from sales and a, a totally different uh, sales model to like the, it's the teetotal opposite um, to what's what's been pushed by industry and, and by government and like we're the only farmer I'm, I'm the only full-time farmer in Europe that gets no payments and no subsidies whatsoever not environmental, not um, 
no cap, no, I, I can't go for any environmental schemes. I can't do anything. All our money comes from sales only. There's no other farmer in Europe, full-time farmer in Europe that can say that. But that gives you the freedom to do whatever you want? Pretty much, yeah. And nothing would rot me more than having a bureaucrat coming in and saying to me, your, you fence, to your fence is two foot closer to the drain than it should be and we're going to dock you 20% of your payment or whatever. So going back to the, to the sales, um, that's why I had to design a system that actually generated sales straight away which is the eggs then when we got going with the pigs uh, the pork and then uh, like we did rose veal as well what's that for the first year it's it's basically beef that's under a year old oh veal veal yeah. is young veal is, is kind of 12 weeks old or, or maybe a little bit older um, that's raised inside on milk all the time the meat is really white and it's 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 got a bad name Whereas rose veal is, the, the meat is still pale because it's young. It's it's an, um, a beef animal under a year old, but they're out and they're uh, they're not force fed milk. They're eaten and browsing and whatever else. But I did that just to start um, get money money in. turning straight away. Mm. Um, so now we like the wagyu is four years old. The the beef we do now. How'd you go with turkeys? Now turkeys do very well for me every year. How many? Uh, I, I had almost 100 this year. <coughs> 100 turkeys? Yeah. Did you get them when they're babies? The, I get them in June, the end of June, uh, as day-olds or maybe a week-old. Um, great. Put them into chicken tra tractors straight away. Um, which So they're out uh, in, in, in a sheltered frame so they can root around the grass straight away. After about six weeks, during, it's, it's the middle of summer. Uh, hopefully the weather is fairly good. Uh, then you let them out. Uh, and kind of hard to toughen them up a bit. If you let them out straight away, as as day olds or week olds, they die with the um, with cold. You are know. they nine bastards? They're great crack. Are they? They actually are. Yeah. Like um, I was on Countrywide this year. The um, Radio One. There the first week of December, and that actually you want to come out and interview the turkeys. Set up a whole go of. Hold on, whoa, whoa. She came out and interviewed the turkeys. Yes. Radio One is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Radio One. Was it Joe Duffy? <laughs> Joe Duffy! Surround you like that turkey? You like that turkey, do you? Yeah, well, I'm telling you now. <laughs> they put a whole go of, of um, microphones all around the, the turkeys and then I had to make them react so that you could get... Um, it, this was, went on for about 15 minutes so that you could get the right gobbles or right whatever for them fuck I do the same for the pigs then you know what I call gobbles yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, radio one but probably wouldn't be interested in that now right? <laughs> but um, people love it like uh, you don't see turkeys out too often um, I grieve them out running through the woods as well the problem when they were young like the, the turkeys can fly way better than hens can from a stand and stop they can actually fly up eight or ten feet in the air so uh before they get too fat so there's kind of a sweet spot when they're kind of eight to ten weeks old before they're kind of um i'd say it's the end of october early november when they really start to put on weight they can fly up into trees and it's hard to get them down again and that's a, a problem i didn't see at the time so your turkeys were all up in trees that's where they naturally would go that's where they'd stay safe and the, the trouble with turkeys is they don't think long term and so if, if um, a fox comes around 
They were up in the tree. They're safe at the house. They panic and they jump down. Do you know what I mean? So they, 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 if they stayed up there, they're 100%, but they don't. So are turkeys stupider than chickens? Well, they're, well, yes, is the short answer. Did you eat your own turkey? Oh, always. Did I, you pick the best one for yourself? The problem with what I do is, like, I, I, I sold turkeys this year to politicians. I sold them to, um, I sold a huge amount of them in, in Dublin. I deal with some very high profile people, right? Um, which is really cool. Keenans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they always get the, the families always get the best and we uh, get, that one he looked at me funny <laughs> I get the ones that have um, a, a wing broken or something like that but they're still perfect you know but um, and the same with the beef if it's one that the vacuum pack is, has burst on really that um, now it's, again it's still perfect but you couldn't sell it hmm. so um, so it's the best or the worst of the best if you know what I mean I get you I yeah. get you um, but so yeah, it is kind of a running joke that if to see a wing missing off the turkey and say that after all the turkeys you've done, you come in with this wreck of a yoke to us, you know. But they eat it. And they love not, it. I can always remember when we were younger, the turkey used to be hanging in the hall a few days before, you know, just when the blood stripping <laughs> yeah, on newspaper. That was always just the way. It actually would offend people now if they've seen a turkey, you know, New York dressed. Yeah. It, it really would. Um, they, they panic big time and... Like, we always had 18 or 20 turkeys at home. And Do you kill them yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, as in years ago. Yeah. When, when, Not uh, now. Officially, no. I'd be doing it with a machete. <laughs> I was just going to, time to kill the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for the questions? Yeah, go on. Go on. Have you listened to this podcast before? Um, actually, it was Morris that got me um, connected with you. Do you get on with Morris? Morris is a deep character, definitely. He's he's very intense, but he's you know you always know where you stand with him. Is I, he I, is he more politi- political than into the farming or what? Is he is is he? Morris likes a row. He, he, you know he, he not he's not looking for fights, but he he yeah he probably is looking for fights. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, young blood, you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the, he is a young bull. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When 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 Morris has a, a woman and a heap of kids, that quietens you. Yeah, I'm telling that you, that quietens you. You're dead right. Are you right? These are quick fire questions. Just answer them as quick as you can. Don't think about it too much. Go on. How big is your Mickey? I know. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first vivid childhood memory? Oh, God. Um, childhood memory. Uh, uh, probably, it, it would be on the farm, probably working with the grandmother. Um, she used to have a hillman hunter and she'd go everywhere in that and... Uh, I, I used to be sitting up shotgun with her a lot and, you know, just acting the Egypt with her. So I'd say that that would be probably the earliest memory. What's the most painful thing you've ever been told? Uh, God, painful. I don't know if we could say it or not now. Um, well, this year actually, one, that it, it was pretty, well, last year, 2023, 20, uh, we had a, Pretty rough year with um, eldest son broke his neck playing rugby. Fuck. Yeah. Now that was pretty painful. Now out of the blue, totally. He um he's actually still only getting himself together now. Um, he's six foot eight, and he was um fell on the ground. One of his teammates fell on top of him, 
And Simple as that. Brooks between C5 and C6. Um, did six, seven weeks in a neck and body brace um, lying in his bed. Now, this is a guy who's, he played rugby, football, basketball. He was flat out all the time. And then he was left sitting on his back in last July for almost seven weeks. In Dunleary? No, he was he was let home uh, all right, but he was being checked every so often. But he was literally getting out of bed, going to the toilet and, and getting back into bed again. And uh, he got out of bed one day and he was getting headaches and a wife brought him into Tullamore to get checked again anyway. And he'd ruptured a disc between C5 and C6. Um, the headaches was um, nerves being pinched on and um, he ended up getting a major operation up in Crumlin in September. Fuck. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a rough time. Clean had to be in with him all the time because he was under, he's, he's, he's actually 16 tomorrow. So he was only 15, so he couldn't be left on his own. So she was in there in, in the hospital full time then. Six uh, foot eight. Six foot eight, yeah. Um, uh, and if you didn't think their food was good, <laughs> out on the farm yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's only back to school now really is he okay he's back walking like he needs serious physio now um thank god he's young and his body yeah. is oh yeah yeah like he, he he got he's got more steel in his neck than bloody any robot we call him um he's a bit of a transformer now or, 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 or <laughs> you know like he's he, or, yeah. uh, he put a turbo chip in to keep him going kind of thing you know so he's he's synthetic discs in um, uh, as well and he's got all titanium in his neck and he's all screwed together Jeez that must have been some worry for you So that was that was hardship now um, that puts serious pressure on the family um, last year and right the way up to Christmas now to be honest but he's he's pulled himself together he's pulled himself together but there is a running joke that because like this a week from his birthday last year he was playing rugby as well and he broke his hip and um, so he he was knocked out um, this time last year with his hip. Got that up and running. Now, the reason he broke his hip was because he grew so quick that his growth plates, you know, that hadn't joined together mm. properly. And he was literally running in the feet, uh, in, in, on the pitch. He was on video and he just fell. You'd swear somebody had shot him nearly, right? Nobody hit him. Nobody done any harm to him at all. He ran. Um, when, he, when he hit the ground... The stress, uh, his ligaments and tendons weren't growing as quick as his, his skeleton, so they were putting his his they were his hip under severe tension all the time, and literally as he was running along, his ligaments pulled that hard against his hip, his that his growth plate snapped. Fucking hell! Mental. So there's a running joke that he just literally his his too big for his body. Just breaks himself. <laughs> yeah, gravity is actually knocking him out now. You know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So um so yeah that's the but he's 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 back um long time he's playing rugby again. <laughs> he's going to get back doing tag rugby to try and get some cardio again and um uh, Do you ever uh, hear jogging? I know <laughs> or swimming or something. Tennis? Yeah, yeah. Badminton, you know, something mm. without all the other six foot twenty or, stone fuckers around the field. See what's wrong with him is like my eldest daughter, Quiva, uh she plays international rugby. Um for uh, and she plays for Leinster and plays for Old Belvedere and all that as well. So he always thought he was going to play international. And um, so that's kind of driving him on when he sees his sister. S- sister. Does she ever go, I'm better? No. 
she actually would wipe the floor with him now. Stop. She, she's six foot two herself. Um, and she's what doing in DCU. She got a rugby scholarship to college. So um, he sees all that and it, it's good motivation for him. So if he wanted to go back playing rugby, um, if he was fit and healthy and it gave him a focus to, to get going again. You wouldn't mind. Um, like you can't wrap them up in, in cotton wool either, but it's um, hopefully... He probably does pick up fishing or something, or fly fishing. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ, I might, I wouldn't be able to sleep. <laughs> uh, if you could make one phone call to heaven, who would you call? Yeah, um, probably would be the grandmother. Like I'm exceedingly lucky. Like um, we've, I've lost very few um, family members, like other than grandparents, and and uh, like uh, everyone's fit and healthy. Um, suicide hasn't really hit us either. Um, one of one of Cleaner's cousins died of suicide back in the nineties, but so probably would be grandparents because um, just to check in and see like is he really there or not? You know? Do you think he's really there? <sighs> no, probably not. I I, I think it's it's more. Like again earlier, we're all energy. Um, we'll just come back in a different form again. And I do believe in karma, all right. And that if you things go wrong, you you that could be your purgatory. Do you know, or that could be your your your. Do you think you get back what you put out? Oh, definitely, definitely. And again, that's another reason why I got rid of the trucks because I wasn't. I was actually too much shit was happening. Um, and money is not everything really it's not um, you're associating with the wrong people who are letting you down and then you end up letting other people down and it gets into this vicious uh, shit show that, that um, where it was only going to end one way so um, so yeah um, the short answer is no I don't think there's but when your young lad was really sick and you're sitting there on your own yeah well whenever shit goes wrong right you see the best, you, you see the genuine person, right? Whether that's a neighbour when your cattle break into his field and he's all smiles normally and he hates you when when he's, uh, when he's you piss him off. Or like with Connor, when he was lying flat on his back and we didn't know whether he was going to walk again and we weren't sure. Even, uh, there were so many unanswered questions there. Um, and he was actually more worried about his mother she he knew cleaner was flat out the whole time or you know normally was running around at trainings and stuff like that and he was kept saying to to cleaner you go home i'm grand you know so he wasn't um now he cried as well and he was bloody really how would you put it uh, but he didn't let it get on top of him he was more worried about he, the empathy was mind blown it really was and and that's a sign that it showed me that he's You're doing going, a good job. He, he's going to get on all right, yeah. no matter what happens. If he can be resilient, yeah, at that age, yeah. He was more worried about his mother than he was about uh, himself, wondering what he bloody pull out of this or whatever, you know. Would you like yourself if you met yourself? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, see, what do you not like about yourself? Uh, I don't like most people. I actually, and, and and that probably includes me too. I'm very hard on myself. 
you're always questioning what you're doing. Um, you try and leave a legacy. That's what I'm trying to do at the end of this. Like the farm, I'll never finish that farm. It's going to be intergenerational, whether it's one of my kids or whether it's somebody else. Um, you can give it to one of mine if you want. <laughs> <laughs> if they come and do the work, definitely send send down the uh, act, uh, Lily, any of them, any of them, yeah, yeah. any of them. It um, won't be Jane anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she might knock a few trees for me. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't like most people, um, and that uh, again, if I have somebody that that wants to buy something off me. You were talking about people complaining about the willies that you and whatever mm. else that you yeah, on your invoices. I know pretty much from the first transaction whether somebody's going to work with me or not, and if they don't, a lot of the time I, I I'd say to them, "Sorry, we're, we're actually out of whatever," and I I'd refuse their order because it's just going to give me hardship, and I have the patience and back, back to trusting your go. Now you have it, and but the people who I do build a good relationship with, I could probably trust them with my life. Uh, but that's a very, very, very small number of people. Mm. It really is now. And I've gone through a lot of people on, on customers and I have um, a core of probably 60 or 70 customers that I can rely on. And actually, some of them are chefs as well that when you build up a chat, you know, get a good chat with and... Um, invite them to the farm and show them exactly what's what and explain some, some of it can be very stupid stuff to, to, to some people, but other people get it. Like the hay, for instance, feeding the animals hay, it's way better for their digestion. It's way tougher to make hay, but that hay sweet. You can only make it when the sun shines, you see. <laughs> Literally, yeah. And we live in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> but the sweetness of the meat comes through with what you feed them. And like, if you go to that detail, um, most people say you're you should grab a bill of silage and throw it out to them and they'd be grand but if you connect with the right person who understands where you're coming from then you, you have um, you know you, you have a friendship built up mm. with um, that you can rely on now do I like myself like you're with yourself all the time right mm. so good times bad times you're go to bed with yourself every night. You have to love yourself first before you can love anybody else, um, I think. And uh, there's probably some stuff I've done in the past that I know about that still annoys me, uh, that you're trying to atone for as well. But life as a human is, uh, and being a sentient being is about atoning for your past. That's how you grow. It is. And it's how you, it is how you learn and how you build your your. Uh, your end goal or your end mm. your, your legacy I suppose um, I have a bit of building to do I suppose <laughs> what is your legacy what would you like your legacy to be well, what would your, you your kids, call success your, your kids number one. well success this is an easy one actually because I've thought about this a lot and like my kids are getting up in age now like um, eldest is 20 youngest is 11 um, Saoirse is doing her leaving cert this year Um Connor is 16. Anyone that's watching this on YouTube and sees how young this man is will know he was sexually active <laughs> yeah. at a very young age. <laughs> Did I talk about a young bull there now? Or is, but um, Reen is, is 13. Reen is actually, he's 13 years of age and he's size 13 feet. He's six foot five. Now he's on the leash minor team, well, leash under 14 football team now as well. And he's, they're all, so 
success for me is being no thinking well seeing them coming back to you and want to spend time with you when they're left I, I couldn't agree with you more do you know what I mean yeah spending time with, with their father and mother like um, if you're an old an old man and your kids want to hang with you now you have that's, that's, that's exactly all it. you could read that's success isn't it yeah if I, they just want to hang with you that's it and uh, after that I'm, I'm not going up to see that grumpy old con <laughs> that'd be just devastating wouldn't it but, or you've, you have enough time, but if they really want to come back, it means you've done a good job in the first place. That's a great answer. So, I love that. So it, it, it's like, it's one thing I've thought about a lot. If you had to ask one person a question and they had to answer truthfully, no matter what, who and what would you ask? Ask somebody a question. They had to answer truthfully. Well, I wouldn't ask my wife any questions because she's the only one that knows the majority of the skeletons in the closet as well. <laughs> I would probably ask my father. Um, cause it's one thing I would have loved to, um, and like, it's not too late yet. Like he's 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 fit and healthy, and uh, uh, he's a very intelligent man, and uh, but. He told me a long time ago he never actually wanted to be a farmer. Like he, he was the eldest son and was kind fell of, into it. It was, yeah, and there was a bit of resentment there because of that. So I'd like to ask him a bit about that. Like, what would you do? What um, would you like to have done? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that 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 would be an interesting um, question. I wouldn't have the confidence to ask him this minute now, but I'll give you a piece of advice. <laughs> Go on, ask him this minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think things happen for a reason or do we find reasons after things happen? No, things happen for a reason. 100%. Every experience you have, you're in the right place at the right time. You just have to identify. Like even, I read an article there about people that were saved, say from 9-11, that should have been in the Twin Towers. Um, and one guy had bought a new pair of shoes and he was walking to work and he got a blister on his foot and he had to call into a, um, a what would you call it, pharmacy to get uh, get something. I thought it. you were going to say shoemaker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it held him up from actually getting to, to that 15 minutes. Um, Saved his life. Yeah. So he was cursing the, the blister, but it saved his life. So even sh- stupid shit things that go wrong, like um, they're there for a reason. And um, to save you from something else. Do you read a lot? Tons. Yeah. I, I, I'd, when I stopped looking at television, it gave me plenty of time to read. And uh, it actually, it, it gave me a chance to get away from the zombie looking at shit. Do you know, like it, it's, it's I have the patience to look at something, unless it's something really, what do you like to read? What do I like to read? Um, I read a lot of history. Um, a huge amount about biological agroforestry. <laughs> and, I, didn't, I didn't never know. <laughs> and just... What how, do you read for a release? How people solved problems years ago. Because we have the exact same problems now. Now we have electricity and we have um, technology to solve a lot of problems. But when people hadn't got that, how did they actually solve problems and that's why I don't have electricity on the farm and um, it's too easy 
they're, they're, you have to challenge yourself to solve problems without like getting a loan and buying a car or something um, anything I, I, I'd look at things the total opposite way dosed an animal instead of managing them prop, in a different way that don't need to be dosed um, that kind of thing I, I love digging in deep into um, problems that are here now but solving them kind of in a different way you know, rather than just using chemicals or nitrogen or whatever, it's um, it 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 is kind of kind of mad and it frustrates even my wife. I keep bringing clean up, but um, she's a big part of it all, I suppose now. But she doesn't think I'm efficient enough, which I'm not, because I get stuck in a Men problem. Aren't supposed to be efficient, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. I I I a job that could take. 10 minutes could take me an hour sometimes because I'd be studying exactly, going deep into uh, three or four different ways of doing it. And now I'll get through it, no problem. But uh, I write down a lot as well. And that's why I got diary actually, because I um, it's writing things down. You forget it as well. Like you could think a million things during the day. And a big thing actually is I go to bed half 10 most nights 11 o'clock at the latest because I love getting up early um, I could, most mornings I wake up at maybe 3 in the morning with something in my head from that's the witching hour the day before. You know. it, it is oh no it is it's, you could be possessed <laughs> and that's, yeah. just saying it's, it's what would you call it, I, it, it it's all part of like I do it all the time and a lot of the time you wake up you're you're, you're kind of half conscious and next thing you think of a solution to something that happened maybe a day or a week and then write it down write it down exactly I um, always have a notebook beside the bed I do the same as much as possible I often wake up in the morning and I do some giggling about what I wrote on it <laughs> <laughs> when I wake up it's a great idea and then I see and I go oh, I'm not saying that <laughs> I couldn't say that but that is your own uh, subconscious um, actually Keep me in in shape as well. Do you dream? Do we dream? Uh, Do you have mad dreams? I have a recurring dream. Go on. Of uh, um, basically being caught with no clothes on, walking down the street or something, then looking down and you're not a, not a stitch on you. That a fantasy or a nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can actually go a bit deeper in that if you want. Go, um, go, go, go a bit deeper. <laughs> I like it deep. <laughs> um, when I when I sold up the trucks and got out of all that, and um, I was totally burnt out, as I said to you, and um, I needed to get fit. Um, so I bought a bike. Uh, we we did a couple of um adventure races. Uh, seats so much, you know, where you'd you'd cycle, swim, mm. climb mountains, run, whatever. Built up a bit of fitness and uh, built up good friends as well. And um, one of the friends said to me, there's a, a cycle for road safety going on down in Cork, um, whatever it was, to do it every year, I think. She said, you should come down to it. It's good crack and you spend the day and you're going to meet the mayor and you're going to have all this. So um, I said, you know what, I'll go. So I jumped on the train in Portlaoise, cycled to to, to uh, train station, Brought the bike with me down to um, uh, some art centre we had to meet everybody in. Went in there and they, there was a whole goal of people in there. But she didn't tell me 
that the cycle was actually going to be a naked cycle. What? Right? <laughs> it's like the naked Mario. Uh, I, and That's a big <laughs> fucking part of it to leave out. The reason it was a naked cycle was to show how vulnerable um, cyclists are on the road, right? But they they were, they were doing body painting and all that, so like, uh, it, um, did you get let out? So, I kind of panicked a bit, and she said, oh, "Well, you can you can like not everybody. You don't have to like strip totally. You can paint your face, and you can go whatever degree you want to go in, right?" And that was um, about twelve o'clock. I think it was two o'clock when the. Mickey, come out. The, <laughs> when the cycle was to start. But I did. I actually went full bore in the end. There was about 40 of us, and it's a... That now, must have been fair sore for fucking cycling. The balls must have been rubbed off you. This was two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon in Cork City, and it was actually the best crack I ever had. Excuse the pun. Literally. <laughs> and... Um, uh, now, I didn't do it again, and I came home and told Kleena, and she was mortified. She said, Jesus, who would have seen uh, Anyone could have seen you down there. But um, you talk about a, a release. There was actually an unbelievable buzz from everybody, and even from everybody that met you. Like, they were cycling together. I had full body paint on, so, like, uh, I, I, I wasn't this pink, uh, uh, you know, steak but going on. did you on. have nightmares after that? <laughs> That dream has been going on for years, and I think it's um, people trying. Now, what I think it is is um, lack of confidence and uh, people kind of seeing through you or something, and it does kind of push you to dig way deeper into whatever you're doing to make sure you you know you have a deep enough knowledge to know what you're doing that you're you can. Trust your gut as well. I, I I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, Google says that this dream can indicate anxiety about revealing or having revealed your weaknesses or secrets. Ah, there you go. Mine is off. <laughs> <laughs> can I put this into Google now? Like? Yeah, I, I I'm in. I, I don't know why I'm in the cockpit of an airplane, right? Uh-huh. But I'm trying to fly the plane, and the plane's crashing. But the lads won't let me fly it. And I can see it going towards the ground and I'm shouting at him, just pull up the thing and then I, we crash into the ground and die. What way would you like me to type that in? <laughs> I don't know. I just, plane crash. Um, but I think I could fix, solve it if they let me. Do you wake up before you die? On impact. Like I can just see, I go in my head, like it's actually a really scary dream. Like I go, oh shit, this is it. Yeah, yeah. It just before it hits the ground, it's really scary now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, but that that's definitely some anxiety that's there, some panicky. Maybe you should, like I saw you nearly turned over the the forward or uh, that was a couple of weeks that ago. wasn't the scariest part of that. You should have been there when I wasn't filming, and it just <laughs> it took it it just it just took off down the hill, oh, and not. I'm there. Yeah, yeah, just just you know you twenty twenty four or five tons just. Down the hill, and you're trying to counteract the crane to. Yeah, that was scary. So, well, I, look, I'm I'm professional. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love this this joke or not this joke? It's not a joke. This is a serious question. Uh, when was the last time you shit yourself? Um, that brings me back to when. Don't say the bike. No. <laughs> <laughs> it does bring me back to a, a time. The minute you asked me that question, when. Uh, when I was in the middle of the trucks as well and you were really stressed out 
and I had a lot of digestive problems. Truck does that. Yeah, eating at the wrong times and eating the wrong shit. And uh, and then you've nowhere to go mm. most of the time. Like the people don't understand. And, and you got to go, you got to go. Exactly, yeah. So um, it's... Uh, uh, you can probably fill in the rest there then. Frigid that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is actually one of the things that tr- uh, uh, people disrespect truck drivers all the time. Mm. Um, whether it's when you're getting loaded or unloaded or bloody, even people on the road, it's the toughest job out there. I, I loved it when I started because I, I love getting away um, the independence. I was getting away from crying babies as well which was always, you know, uh, another bit of motivation, but we were bringing home the money. It was yeah. keeping cleaner happy. Um, it was ticking the box. i never seen it as long-term, but it filled in a, a, um, a void that needed to be filled at the time. Um, but, yeah, they, I feel sorry for, for truck drivers now. Um, Still haven't told me when you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to take the. I think you're a here. politician now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're dancing around the question. <laughs> Did you shit yourself or not? This is what we want to know. Well, it was um, uh, several times. I would have. I, I, several I, 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 times. <laughs> I would have always had a change of clothes with me. Um, and you're a professional. It, and shit yourself. It, 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 when I was really stressed, the shit would just run out of me. And or else I was I was backed up. So I I actually thought there was something seriously wrong with me at one stage, um, and that was another reason why, pure stress and shite. You know, like um, I guarantee you, if I was still in trucks now, I wouldn't be married, and I I probably would have some autoimmune disease or, or you know from just from like I was young, I should have been able to handle all that, but I, I'm telling you, it was. It was. I had some very, very close moments uh, with 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 that question, and probably one or two mistakes as well, um, where you just had nowhere to go, and uh, you just get Kyle. hammered, hammered. Now is the best way of putting it. Doesn't happen anymore, thank God. But that's so you're in the middle of a farm now. You can just pull down your trousers. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, do yeah. what you like. Pig, the pigs will have it in five minutes. <laughs> Brendan, so here, Dave, just before you go, on, go on, tell me. So I couldn't get the whole fixing the thing part, but I think this makes sense, right? And right, definitely makes sense for you. Covered. If you see a plane crash in your dreams, it implies you have incredibly high expectations and often set unattainable goals for yourself. So the part that comes in of you saying you can fix it in the plane I is can. definitely it. There because you go. Control. You smash through everything that you're told you can't do. <laughs> <laughs> smash is right. <laughs> Brendan, it was lovely talking to you. Yeah. And I think that um, you're a very important person for young farmers or people that have land that could be doing something with it and that are being told, oh, lease it out, you know, rent it out for a while. It's no good to you. Disconnect from it, which is the worst thing you could do. Mm. You, you don't have to scratch deep on anyone to find the land. And it's, it's, it's actually for mental health as well, for human health, for environmental health. Like the bigger the farms get and the fewer hands that have control over that land, the more disconnected, the more degraded it gets. Like you need humans on it, the energy of humans and animals. It makes act, sense, yeah, logically. It's, it's mental. It, um, and that's what I'm pushing to people who want to hear it. But you can't convince what is it you can't convince a bee that um sorry a bee can't convince a, a fly. fly 
Yeah, you know yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that uh, honey is sweeter than shit. Yeah. So if somebody doesn't want to hear it, I, 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 I don't go on about it. But when you do find the right person, then you can actually build a, a, a very resilient friendship and system for them, you know. So it's a... Well, we'll, um, you know, follow him on his socials and we'll put links in the bio. And it was great talking to you. Was well, it as bad as you thought it was going to be? To be honest, I can't remember most of what I said now. So that, That's kind of how it works here. If you're looking for a structure here, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> but no, actually, I really think what you're doing is savage. Ah, oh, thanks. Because, like, uh, there's, there's no free, relaxed speech out there anymore. Absolutely um, not. And... Like you're sacrificing money, you know, for um, that you could actually invest in your family or into your building your house or whatever you want to do, which most people would chase. And I chased it for years, thinking it was the right thing to do, and it's it's not the right thing to do. There's no. there's, there's a bigger picture there, and uh, you've seen that too. You're you have to be honest, and you have to just be yourself. And if you do, you have uh, people holding you to ransom for money to try and be something else. It's wrong. Hundred percent, yeah. So it's 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 a breath of fresh air to see. Like um, you interview, unless you're talking about Shay. <laughs> <laughs> but it it, it really it, it shows that there's a want. People people want it. Like they're listening. They're mm. um, and um, but is Iran more freeing than free speech? Well, if you look at back to history, the oppressors were never the good guys. No. You know, and it was normally governments. Always. Yeah. So, like, so I can't see, and it, it, this is going back to human beings and why I don't like most of them because they're so gullible. They're so, the, the seeds, mistakes that were made, all I have to do was read history and they'd know that, um, oh, even. It's, the, it's, the, it's government, you see, it. Gains power and yes. over time again, there's more red tape to do anything. If you've land or if you want to start a business, you you get strangled. A, a, a country and a, a, a social structure can get strangled in red tape to a certain extent that it just can't do anything anymore. Yes. And if you ever, did you ever hear the, um, the Wolf and the Villagers game? I just ah. about to say it. I was waiting for you to stop talking. Did, did, you, ever, did you ever see that? I've only yeah. seen yeah. it lately. It's yes. a, like, and it's so true. Two wolves and what? Two eight, wolves eight and villagers. eight or ten. Yeah. Eight, eight, no, fifteen or twenty. It doesn't villagers. matter on the number; just yeah. a larger number of villagers yeah. and werewolves. Yeah. yeah. So you have two werewolves, and you the rest are all villagers. Nobody knows who the werewolves are, and nobody knows who the villagers are. And everyone's told to close their eyes, and the person that's over the game, that's making sure no one cheats, is told the two wolves go kill them two villagers, <laughs> and everyone then the next day has to try and figure out who are the werewolves. And inevitably, always the wolves will win because yes. they well, know they have to get. They have to at the end of the day, the villagers have to pick somebody in the group that they believe yeah, is a exactly. werewolf yes. to be killed. So it just shows that if you have someone that knows more information, yeah, than anyone else, with information, they'll always win. Yeah. Of course, yeah. and that's the mob mentality as well. Mm. And, and anyway, and nowadays with social media and the news and that narrative that everyone pushes and that polarization. Yes. And it's all because no one talks and no one can have a disagreement. And That's why I invite people out to the farm. Like, one thing I guess, um, I've a good few vegans have come out to the farm and they're... Really what did they come out for? Some people come genuinely to see, can you farm environmentally friendly and, and 
welfare friendly and you know, all, like they're, they're genuine. Other people come out for a row. Yeah. Right. Which is grand too. I love a row an odd time um, because if somebody's willing to sit down and actually have an honest debate, um, like they can't argue with anything I do. Right. There, there's not, we don't hide anything. There's, there's no big sheds behind the woods or, um, uh, you know, like they, they, they see everything. Um, but out of that, I've had eight or 10 vegans who have now become my customers and buying meat because I addressed all their problems. The really lunatic vegans that would be really aggressive to me are now actually. Um, well, do you think most vegans they go on like that? They don't actually know how their food is made. Like if you see a, fl- a, fl- a field being ploughed, that's carnage. Like <laughs> they, they don't. That's the problem. There's more dead there than. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's the disconnect. Mainly people from cities, right, or towns. And when you're in a city, right, you're so disconnected from nature. Everything around you is man-made. It's concrete. It's um, like. You need nature around you to keep you grounded and keep you focused. If you get this delusion of opulence or or, or, or grandeur that you're bigger than nature, you're not. Mm. But when you're in a city and you get this um, insulated feeling that you're in control, you're not in control. Absolutely, you're only uh, on this world for a ride, the same ride as any everyone else. If a bolt of lightning wants to strike you, it'll. I don't know, you're not going to stop it. Or, or if, if floods come and, and like, you're going to die no matter what. And nature most likely will kill you. Do you ever get, because um, I get like this a lot when I'm in a city or a town, I, I feel really vulnerable. I feel frustrated. I actually, I, I, you get overcome a little bit. Like, I, I don't mind. I, I, I go to Dublin regularly. I deliver up there and I, I, I like the people up there. The, most of the people are drowning up there. And they, they're the people that say, geez, you're so lucky. How did you, how, how, how did you actually get to this? And, and these are very, very well-off people who are saying they hate being the, the, in Dublin. Like I have several people saying, keep an eye out for 20 acres. I'll, I'll buy it. Just, I don't care where it is. Just if you see something like that coming up, let me know. They're drowning with the shit of just being stuck in the city. Um, and they tell me that, you know, so like I've built up very good relations with, with a very small number of people. But I think if I was really stuck in any way at all, you could ring most of them and they'd help you out as well. Um, because of that common connection, you know, but the other 99.9% of people, I don't want to fuck right off. Yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brendan was lovely talking to you. Well, we talk to you all day. Yeah, no, thanks for that. I, well, I'll have to give Matt 7,000 euro. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we going for dinner now? <laughs> well, you have me fucking hungry now, you bastards. <laughs> right, I'll chat you. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs>